my older brother, he had gone to camps down in the States and they wanted okay. to finish high school in the States. Like he was like like the guy in our area. Yeah, yeah. I never really had as much buzz as he did. Did he ever go anywhere? No. He actually okay. stopped playing out of high, after high school. He's actually a pastor now. He's a, no, no, bro. <laughs> no. Yeah, my older brother's a pastor now. film and photography and stuff like that yeah i actually want to make movies and stuff like that that's kind of what i want to do as a career when did that happen when i was like in the fifth sixth grade oh, so my shit. dad bought me like a little and it's funny because this camera was expensive back then it was probably like three or four hundred bucks back then he bought you a 400 dollars camera in sixth grade yeah what the fuck bro i know what'd you tell him to get that shit um so my parents are both ministers okay and i said hey like if you buy me this camera, yeah. I'll take pictures and stuff for the church. Oh, okay. And I'll kind of kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. Oh, my God. And yeah. um, I guess that was enough to sway him. So he bought it for me. And I able, was able to kind of like practice yeah. um, a little bit of photography video stuff. But the thing is, the camera, looking back on it, was such bad quality. <laughs> it was like a nine or ten pixel camera. Yeah. Do you still have that camera to this day? Uh, it's at my parents' house. Wow. Yeah, it's no just way. it's just an accessory at this point. It yeah. sits on the, the bench. And you're saying your parents are ministers? Yeah. Both of them? Both of them. Wow. Yes. Both That's crazy. Yeah, so how so. was that growing up? Um, it was cool. I think <laughs> it was also very challenging because when you have two minister parents, right? Like a lot of expectations are kind of put on oh, you yeah. to kind of be the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Both your parents are, are you serious? pastors. Yeah. yeah. I so I think that pressure was kind of tough at times. Yeah. But um, looking back at it now, just the kind of the lessons they instilled in us from a young age, me and my brothers, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. So the, were you a part of the church, and then were you like had to do things through the church, like be a part? Like, what is it called? The kid that helps out with the um. So yeah, usher, you had to do that. Yeah. So we're not Catholic. We're like okay. Pentecostal, similar to Baptist, I would say. Okay. Small differences here and there, but yeah, yeah growing up, I would be an usher, a greeter. I oh. sang in the choir at one point, and I cannot sing at all. You sang in the choir, yes, man. Yes, So wow. I was really shy when I was a kid. And my parents had this plan to put me in the choir to kind yeah. of break me out of my shell. Yeah. Did it? Did it help? Um, Maybe a little bit. Yeah. My godmother was the choir director, so okay. it was just like from all angles, just like yeah. had somebody there kind of like, okay, yeah, you got to do this, you got to sing, so that. I yeah. hated it. I remember telling my dad I wanted to quit, and he was like, if you quit now, you'll be quitting everything's all your everything life. Everything you do in your life, <laughs> I yeah. I was like, man, I just don't want to sing in the choir. But, no. like, no, I really appreciate all those stuff that they tried to do for me, for sure. It was actually pretty. That's cool. So do you still go to church to, like, this day? Yeah, we still go to church. We kind mm. of, we're in Regina now, so it's kind yeah. of weird having to be away from our, our home church, as you would say. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of visit a couple different places. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of teamed up with Moncrief. We do, like, house church. Oh, like okay. Like a Bible study on Mondays we do at his house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty pretty enjoyable, pretty fun. So you were saying your home church, and where's that? Toronto? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, so you are born there, hey? Yeah. Wow. Well, born in Scarborough, which is a suburb. Well, actually, no, it's part of the borough now. Mm -hmm. Before it wasn't, but Scarborough, and then my family moved to the Durham region probably when I was... And the third or fourth grade. What region? Yeah. Durham region. So like Pickering, Ajax. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we first moved to Pickering and then we moved to Ajax. And that's so still in Ontario, Toronto, yeah, area. Okay. Ontario. I've never been like, I'm not yeah. used to that area. I know. You know what I mean? Whenever you tell people like, hey, where are you from? I say like, hey, I live in Ajax. It'd be like, where is that? Like, that sounds like you went to like the States or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. It's literally like 
maybe 30 or 40 minutes east of the Toronto. Okay, okay. Yeah. And your parents being ministers and everything, they were totally chill with you joining football and just hitting kids and everything every day or what? For, so this is the funny thing. For the longest time, I couldn't play because back home, they practice on Sundays. Yeah. So me and my brothers, we wanted to play sports, and if it was on Sunday, it was a no, we're not playing. Oh, yeah. shit. So I didn't even start playing football until I got to high school. No way, man. Yeah. And then how about high school? They let you go on Sundays or what? So it was just during the week. We never practiced on Sundays. So oh, we practiced Monday to Friday. Yeah. And sometimes we'll play on Friday, occasional game on Saturday, but we never really had to miss church for anything. So grade nine football was your first high school football game or what? Yep. First time wow. playing football ever. And he just signed up or the coach come up to you? He came up to me because my older brother was at that time one of the best football players in our area. Okay. Was he massive like you too? Oh, yeah. He was big. Big, big dude. <laughs> yeah. Athletic. Um. So it was kind of like, hey, yeah, you're Joel's little brother. You're playing football next year when you get here. Like no matter what? Oh, yeah, no no matter what. Oh, yeah. And at first I didn't really like it because I grew up playing soccer and basketball, so the contact was yeah. just like a crazy contrast for me Yeah. until I learned to actually kind of use my physical abilities to play. Yeah. Because yeah. when you don't know how to play football, like I don't know what being – tall and athletic means playing mm. the positions I was playing. I played tight end wide receiver until I got to 11th grade. Jeez, man. Tight I end wide receiver. I wasn't that big. Okay. So, so you were lengthy year, or what? My first year of high school was about 5'11", about 175-ish. Oh, shit, bro. Yeah. Whoa. And then my second year, I got to maybe like 6'1". And then going from my um, – Sophomore to my junior year, I hit a spurt. I went from six one to like six four and a half, six five, and in in over the summer. Damn, and you were lifting too during that time. I no. I oh, was, you weren't lifting. No, no. Oh, damn. Like so you just I was got huge. Yeah, I just got big. Yeah. And then I remember coming back, and at this time, me and my older brother were playing on the same football team. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, you played tight end. Well, our right tackle just got hurt. Just play tackle for this game. How much did you weigh at that point, though? Oh, at that point, I got to, like, 240. Okay, so you were yeah. a bigger boy, though. I was a yeah. bigger kid. I was, like, 6'4", 6'5", yeah, 240. Yeah. Could you move, though? I can move pretty well. Okay, okay. I can move pretty well now. Yeah, so yeah. it was actually funny. It was because, like, our right tackle got hurt. He had hurt his back. He was supposed to be missed, like, a couple of games. I was supposed yeah, to play O-line for a couple of games. Yeah. I never made it off that line of scrimmage after that, man. Really? Even when he came back? Even when he came back. No, he never came back. Actually. Oh, he never <laughs> came back. <laughs> and it was like, I'm playing O-line. And then I remember going and trying to like, hey, like, I played O-line last year, but I'm trying to, like, no, you're playing O-line. Yeah. And were you okay with that? Were you having fun with it? I got to, to the point where I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Like, it's just going to be, it is what it is at this point. I swear that's every O-lineman yeah. ever, man. Yeah. You, you know don't want to be catching touchdowns. We don't want to. Yeah. Make plays. Nobody really wants to play O line. I would say you're kind no. of you got to force. I saw this this one guy who's talking about offensive line play, and he's like, "Yeah, like when you have a bunch of athletes, they naturally will gear towards going to the receivers, or the DBs, and throwing the football around. You have to kind of make kids go down and hit that sled. Like, yeah. kids don't want to go. I have have all the options. Go and push the sled. Who wants to do that? It's not fun. It's not the one thing you want to do. You want to go catch balls with your buddy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so. They kind of bring those big kids down, and they're like, okay, yeah, just push that sled, and you start to push it, and then once you show you can do that well, it is yeah, it is over for you. You're not playing anywhere else. So when did you get in there, grade 10 or grade 9? Um, I played O-line for the first time in grade 11. Oh, so grade 11. So fast forward to grade 11, you mm -hmm. get in. And then grade 12, where you're like, this is my thing now? Or what? Yeah. yeah. I kind of try to be like, hey, yeah, no, I play – tight end and deep no you play online yeah you play online <laughs> you play yeah. online let's be real those other things we could throw you out there yeah but you play online so, so in grade 12 did you get uh recruited barely 
Barely, so hey. barely. So yeah. it was actually funny. I had a bunch of like Canadian schools that were interested in me. Yeah. Um, but just because in high school I never really had a direction what I wanted to do after mm-hmm. football. So it was kind of like, okay, well I'm gonna go and do a trade or go to a local college. Yeah. That was kind of my mindset. Oh, you didn't even think about playing football. I wasn't after, really hey? thinking about it after okay. at all. Yeah. It wasn't until after my senior year. I was sitting home during the Christmas break, and I remember watching a bowl game. Yeah. And uh, I think it was a Florida bowl game. And I remember seeing the environment and seeing um, just what college football down south was. Yeah. And I had that moment in my life. It's like, I want to do that. Yeah. Like, I want to do that. Like, and I remember telling my friends and my parents and stuff, that, and not to say they were discouraging, but they're like, um, yeah. Like you, you just started playing football in grade yeah, nine. Like, yeah, like it wasn't like my older <clears throat> brother. He had gone to camps down in the states, and they wanted okay. to finish high school in the states. Like he was like, like the guy in our area. Yeah, yeah. I never really had as much buzz as he did. Did he ever go anywhere? No, he okay. actually stopped playing out of high, after high school. He's actually a pastor now. He's a, no, no, bro, <laughs> no. Yeah, my older brother's a pastor now. You know what your life's coming to. No, I know, yeah. right? So it was just funny because. Like, I think it was, maybe it was like, hey, we went through this whole process with your older brother, and he decided he didn't want to play football anymore, yeah, so yeah. I'm not really going to... Put that time and effort into yeah. it, you know what I mean? So it wasn't really until I remember kind of going through the process of, okay, how do I achieve... This the, plan. This plan. Yeah. And so you went to JUCO, hey? Yeah, but it's before I went to JUCO. Oh, okay, okay. I literally had to go to my um, guidance counselor, like, hey, like, I want to play... Yeah. Um division one football and they're like buddy you gotta write your SATs you gotta be in these classes you yeah. have to have these things and what like, grade was this in when you this came grade 12 oh so you're way past oh, like, was, what you're supposed to do oh yeah so yeah. they're like that's not happening like, yeah, yeah. They're like what the hell you bro? better figure yeah. something else out yeah, yeah and I remember just talking to one of my friends and he had some friends who went to JUCO mm-hmm. and at this time I didn't know what that was all I know is you can go there and you can play there for two years and transfer to a division one yeah so my plan was actually do this is okay, I'm gonna go JUCO and then I'll just simply go to Vigil afterwards. Like how hard can it really be? <laughs> that was your goal. That yeah. was my goal. Mm-hmm. So me, if anybody who knows me knows I'm super obsessive when I have a plan and a goal. So I yeah. literally went on the internet over the course of three days and I've emailed every single junior college in the United States. Everyone. Every single How'd one. you find just like research on the computer? Research on the computer. Yeah. I will see the divisions. I will look up what the email is for their head coach or their recruiting coordinator, and I would send them an email introducing myself with a clip to my highlight tape. And you didn't care anywhere. You didn't care where it was. It was I, just anywhere. I didn't know any better. I didn't know yeah. where anything kind of was. So I remember hearing back from only three ta- three schools. That's, that's enough, though. Hey, that was enough. That right? was enough, right? That's <laughs> so the first school I heard back from was a school in Arizona, Arizona Western. Nice. The second one was a school called Fresno City College in California. Okay. And the other one was a school called ASA in New York. Oh, all nice places. Pretty cool places to be. Yeah. So yeah. I remember I was talking to the O-line coach back and forth, and he was like, okay, like, we like your size. Like, can you send us a whole game tape? And back in that time, like, getting people to actually record your games and having a highlight tape was something that was very difficult. Oh, so you do. didn't even have a highlight tape or anything? Like- I had, like, a highlight tape composed of like three or four games i've got from okay. other people yeah but most of my games were went unrecorded that's shit so it was a little bit frustrating but i sent him my tape and then he was like, okay we think we're gonna bring you in hey all set to go yeah scholarship school too they're gonna help me in terms of financing oh that's really nice yeah. so i was super excited and literally probably 
three or four months before I was going about to go. Yeah. He messaged me back. He's like, hey, um, sorry to spring this on you, but we're actually going to go with somebody closer to our area no because way. we understand a little bit more of the competition they're facing. And we think that um, he'll fit our program a little bit better. Like, Devastating. Best of luck to you. Yeah. And I was, at that point, was like heartbroken, bro. Yeah. I was like, bro, I'm about to graduate. I'm thinking I'm going here. Yeah, yeah, I stopped talking to my other schools. Like, and I remember kind of following back up with the other schools and the other school, Arizona Westerns, like, yeah, you're not good enough to play here. They just said that straight up? Oh, straight up. They're like, Jesus. yeah, you're not good enough to play here. Fuck. Best of luck to you. So now not at least one school. Yeah. At least they were all straight up. You know what and I mean? I appreciate Give them that. that. And I Give appreciate that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they left one school in Fresno City College. And I remember talking to them. This school is totally non-scholarship. Fuck. You got to cover everything out of your pocket. Yeah. Like, and it was like, oh my gosh. Like, I grew up with, my parents are two immigrants from the Caribbean. It's not like we're rolling in cash, mm-hmm. right? And I remember just talking to my mom about it. and American time, money, too. American money. Yeah. At that time, to even get your I-20, you had to show you had $20,000 in your account to even apply to get your I-20 to go to that school. Wow, fuck. So I was like, this is looking grim. Yeah. And the benefit of having Christian parents who are pastors, boy, they will pray and there's always faith. It's like, always a way. Always a way. My mom came. I remember just going to my room, just devastated about the whole situation. Yeah. My mom's like, don't worry. Like, just have faith and believe. We're going to figure something out. I can see you're passionate about this mm-hmm. and we will, we'll, we'll figure something out for you. Like, just have faith. Yeah. And my mom ended up going to my grandmother at the time. And talking to my grandma about the situation, my grandma's like, okay, he wants to go to school. I'm going to pull out money from my retirement to give him in order to go to school. Jesus. Bro. Shout out grandma. Shout out grandma. And it's crazy when I think about it, too, is my grandma never been to any of my football games. She never seen me play sports. Till the day that she died, my grandma thought I played baseball. (laughs) <laughs> no, no fucking way. She just believed in you, bro. Bro, she just like, you know, oh, my I mean? grandson wants to go to school. Regardless. She's like, I remember her call, calling me on the phone, and she's just like, my mom tells me you want to go to school in the States. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, she's going to go down there and play baseball. I was like, no, grandma's football. Okay, well, that's okay. Well, I'm going to give you the money to go. Just make sure when you're there you study hard and all those things like that. And I was just like, wow. That was like my first experience of like, Yo, this is a person who loves me this much yeah. without any real evidence of a return on their investment. It was just like, yo, here you go. Crazy. And I remember just going, taking that money, and flying out there to California. Never been to the school, never met the coaches, never been to the California in, in general. Yeah. And just taking a chance and moving out there to go to school out there. So right. Going out there and knowing that your grandma gave you that like money, like yeah. must have gave you that extra motivation oh, to be extra, like, I'm gonna prove all this shit. Extra motivation. Happen. It was like that juice where it's like, Oh, I I can't I can't fail. Yeah. Like there there can't be a way I'm gonna fail in this situation. Yeah. Grandma on your side, church on your side, there's no way. Cause it was more so the fear of like me washing out, failing, not doing well, and then having to come back and sit there and be like, I wasted you guys' time and money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I said, my, my grandma's an immigrant too. It's not like these guys have wads of cash just rolling around. Her giving yeah. me that cash was like a real, like, I'm sacrificing for you, if that made sense. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of to go through that process and kind of go out there was was so humbling. It was super humbling. Did you ever get to get like watch a game at all? My grandma never watched me play football a wow. day in my life. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Like 
Super crazy. Now I'm out here in California. My cousin and yep. one of my best friends, they were able to come with me at that time. So it was three Canadian kids. We're out there in California living in um, apartments and not necessarily understanding the process of what was going on. Yeah. We kind of like, by faith, kind of just jumped out there. And it's funny because like we didn't realize the apartment we rented was like an hour bus ride from the school. Like an hour bus ride, bro. An hour bus ride. Oh shit. So it was just like, wow, this is crazy. So in the morning we had to get up. Do you have to pay for that or no? Oh, we had to pay for everything. Everything. Every single dime came out of our pocket, man. Jeez, which was bro. Super tough. Like yeah, yeah. Super, super tough. So that like that helped you like learn how to save money too, really young. <sighs> or like budget. I think it helped me kind of realize the value of money, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand it fully until I had to kind of go through that process where, hey, now you don't necessarily, um, my parents would be like, hey, okay, here's some cash. You got to budget it because there's no more to get after this. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so it was kind of like, oh, wow, like I have to go now buy groceries. I have to make decisions of Okay, yeah. do I buy name brand stuff or do I buy no name stuff? It's crazy when you get to that like like that position yeah. in life, man. It's crazy. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? So that process was just kind of like a, a true understanding of the value of a dollar. Because mm-hmm. prior to then, I only had one job in my whole entire life, and it was working at the YMCA. So like, yeah, I didn't really understand. Cat. My parents never gave us allowance or anything. No, I know so, what you mean. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So it's not like it's like okay, like I'm I'm going, I'm buying stuff consistently all the time. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, so, it was super crazy. Yeah. Back to JUCO. So how long did you stay there for? I stayed at my my California JUCO for one full year. One full year. Yeah. So like a full 365 days. Um. No, just two semesters. Yeah, okay. So how kind of how it went is, um, we went up there probably July just to kind of get acclimated to. Cali and the the city before we started school and we started doing a little bit of practicing and stuff like that. Yeah. And I remember just kind of going through that process of kind of learning and meeting people. Like I didn't know anybody in California at all. Right? Yeah, yeah. So like it was kind of that process of like, okay, like how do we get to the grocery store and how do we yeah. get here and there? And it was like when you don't have a car in those spaces and you don't know anybody. Yeah. I remember us having to take the bus to the grocery store and then come back with bags and handfuls of groceries just like Full out sweating and everything. By the time you get home, you don't even want to eat. You just want to go lay down. And so play. is this you and teammates you're saying? Yeah, me and my cousin and one of my best friends growing yeah. up. We went there. So. And did you guys stay in a house or did you guys stay on in dorms or something? Um, an apartment building. Oh, like shit. An apartment like an hour away from campus. <laughs> so there was Oh, no, that's where the place was. Yeah, there was, there was yeah. no dorms. There yeah, was yeah. no... Because of the area by the school is very dangerous, I would say. Uh-huh. Like a lot of yeah. gang activity. So they kind of encouraged most of us to live away in like the a suburb of the city mm-hmm. so which was good at least we didn't have to live in the area where our doors getting kicked in all the time no no seriously were but, you by the beaches at all oh no no we're in fresno california that's the oh i didn't know i don't know anything about the fucking yeah space. that's desert oh it's that's, desert yeah that's oh, valley shit. there's what? nothing out there at all oh man. fuck me. super boring super boring <laughs> i was thinking california yeah. you know like yeah yeah no oceans maybe and that's exactly what i was thinking too <laughs> Oh, I'm going to California. I can't wait. And I get off the plane. I was like, wow, this is Cali. This is crazy. Where's the beach, man? The beach a couple of hours from here, right? That's shit. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, they didn't tell us all that stuff until we got there, but we, we definitely thought, what we thought California was, it was not like that when we got there. It Damn. was straight, like. So just, how'd you pass the time other than school and football in Cali in the desert? Friends, bro. Like, yeah. it was crazy because when you go to Juco, you kind of meet a lot of other people who are, from all places around 
um, the country who are trying to do a similar thing yeah. that you're trying to do, right? So there's a group of guys from New York, a group of guys from Louisiana, some mm-hmm. guys are local guys, some guys are from Texas, and we all kind of came there and you meet them and you kind of yeah. build a relationship. With well, a that's a cool thing about football, bro. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you're going to meet a new group of guys uh-huh. that are everywhere from everywhere, man. 100%. And that's like the, the unique thing about – I would say football, maybe other sports too. I don't know, but like football yeah, yeah. is especially like that. Especially when you go to JUCO, yeah. everybody's goal is, hey, I want to go to Division One, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what everybody's plan is. And you kind of see um, quickly, okay, who's serious about that and who's not serious yeah, yeah. about that. Who you, can you be yeah. cool with and who you gotta stay away from because they're not gonna really help you get to your next level. Could you tell right away? I could tell right away. Um, I think it took me a little while to kind of learn because I didn't necessarily know. I didn't understand what it took to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to have a coach, Coach um, Popovich, who played Division One football. He was actually from – I went to Fresno State. Yeah. He actually coached in the NFL for a while too, oh, the shit. Patriots. So I was like, thinking the NBA, the NBA coach. Oh, yeah. I, yeah so I, was <laughs> I was like, oh, my Pop. God. Bro. But no, like he <laughs> – and he kind of took us young linemen and set us on a different path yeah. than a lot of the people there were because he would be like, hey – after you done class, you're not gonna go home. You're gonna come and sit in the academic center, do all your homework. I'm gonna sit in here with you, and then after that, we're gonna go lift. That's sick, man. <laughs> so, that guy gave a fuck, bro. He cared, bro. And yeah. to this day, bro, like probably, I would say he is a major reason why I ended up going to OU mm-hmm. and being the number one tackle in the country coming out of JUCO. It was. It was him. So, yeah, I saw that. Fast forward. So, you can get, like, four stars or five stars out of Juco, right? Yeah. And you yeah. were a four-star recruit coming yes. out of Juco. And yeah. that's highly praised to this man, hey? Yeah, yeah, 100%. He taught you the position because you were only in the game for four years before Juco, hey? I only played O-line for really two. Two. Yeah, because yeah. grade 11, hey? Yeah. You're your tight end, my guy, yeah. tight end. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I remember just going there and and him kind of just taking the time and, and really being appreciated. Like, yeah. appre- I appreciated, like, him not – skipping over me like other people could have done well this kid doesn't know anything yeah yeah. he's no he's of no use to us like that's sick man those coaches can help you a lot in the long run uh, bro and to this day it was one of those people you was run through the wall for that guy sweet do you still talk to him at all i still talk to him man like i remember as a surprise i lost contact with him for a while and as a surprise my wife actually went to my phone Mm-hmm. And got a contact yeah. information for him, and then she actually got him to make like a happy birthday video for me. And it was Shit. actually like a wow, I haven't got a chance to talk to him in a while. And there's ever since yeah. then, like, is he still coaching or is he done? He's still now? coaching, he's coaching at I believe last time I checked in at Troy, oh, okay. Troy or one of those Division One schools. Yeah, good for so, him, yeah, and he's still influ- helping out the kids you know, 100%. and everything. So, when I first got to um, my Cali Juco, um, freshman in there, kind of learned the ropes, I ended up. After the first game, I wasn't a starter. I was like the backup right tackle. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I remember this vividly because I think this was like <clears throat> everybody in their in their life has a moment where they're like, okay, my life ter- took a turn. Mm-hmm. It was this game. We were playing some random team, and our quarterback, very good quarterback at the time, he threw an interception. Our studying left tackle, he runs down the field, and he gets absolutely blind. <laughs> you see like <laughs> – like hit, and then you see cleats in the air, helmet flying everywhere, and he was just like concussed. Jesus! And yeah. I remember him come off the field, and then the backup left tackle at the time, he was like, "Okay, like he's preparing to go in, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like excited." I'm like, "Oh, that's crazy!" And my online coach, he came, looked at me, he's like, "Josiah's going in." Oh. And at this point, I have not played left tackle at all. 
I and you weren't expecting this at all. Hey? I was the backup right tackle. The backup left tackle was there. Like, why yeah. am I going on left tackle? So then I remember him looking at me. He's like, just size in. And then the backup left tackle, he starts getting mad. He goes, this is bullshit. And, like, they started having, like, a screaming match. I remember he said something that stuck with me. He's like, no, he's been here. He's been working hard. He's going in. Damn, bro. And he looked at me. He slapped my hand. He's like, take your opportunity. Yeah, get the hell in there. That's a big thing, bro, taking your opportunity in sports. Um, Oh, that's that's all sports is. Yeah, it's It's crazy. You never know when it's going to come either. You never know. You just got to be prepared. Time to be prepared. And it's crazy how they almost fuck, didn't fuck you, but they put you in at, like, at left tackle, right? Uh-huh. But it's big as an old lineman switching, isn't it? Huge. It's That's like, what I mean. For me, I think when you switch sides as a lineman, it just uh, it forces you to think more. Mm-hmm. Like now, you're not necessarily working off of muscle memory and comfortability. Now I have to make sure, okay. You're thinking. You're thinking. And as a lineman, you don't want to have to think that much. Yeah, you want to go up instincts. You want to react to what's yeah. going on. You, you like as, if you When you get more experienced, you don't have to necessarily think. You can feel. You know what things feel like when situations are kind of happening around you, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember him being like, you know, left tackle, he's going in. And I remember in that moment, it's like, yo, like, I can't go in there and just shit the bed. Like, yo, yeah. <laughs> so I remember the very first couple of plays, I'm just setting, locking people down, setting, locking people down. Lit. And I'm just like, yo, like, yeah. I remember thinking to myself, like, this is all American football is? Like, <laughs> This is it, because ba- remember, you're Canadian. You think that you go down south and everybody is like superhuman. Yeah, that's like, every Canadian thinks that, right? And Even it's just like, this is all American football is. I'm about to destroy everybody. Yeah. And just having that year and me just, um, ever since that day, I was a starting left tackle the rest of the season. We went undefeated until the semifinals. Jeez, was that yeah. guy pissed though? The backup left oh, tackle. Oh, he was. He was super pissed. He moved yeah. to D line the year after that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. The D line, eh? but he was just like, but we're it, it was tough because we were friends too. Like, so it was like I couldn't be too happy because he was like, oh, it's a BS. He yeah. doesn't like me, but like I was happy on the inside because okay, like this is my chance, my opportunity. Damn, bro. So kind of like fast forwarding through the season, I played pretty well. Yeah. Um, I was the starting left tackle all through the year. Got more experience. And I remember. After the season was done, I made a highlight tape and I started sending it to a bunch of Division One programs. You're pumped. Oh, I was super pumped. Like, yeah. hey, like, kind of seeing where I could go. Like, I didn't know what the landscape yeah. would look like. Going to JUCO, I expected probably to go to an FCS school. Like, mm-hmm. nothing that's super big. I didn't really have dreams of a high school kid in Canada going and playing at Alabama. Yeah. Right? That wasn't my my thought really it's like yep. if i can just go somewhere get my school paid for get to finish school down south like i'll be i'll be happy yeah, that's all grandma wanted that's all she wanted yeah right and i remember just walking on campus and i got a call and it's the coach at cal berkeley he's like hey how are you doing today my name is this 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 you're like um i'm not supposed to be talking to you right now it's a dead period but we saw your highlight tape we really like what we see yeah. and uh just know if you want to come to cal berkeley you have a scholarship offer here for you <laughs> and i remember hanging on the phone looking at my friend he's like bro I just got a call from Cal saying they want to give me a football scholarship. <laughs> and he was like, what? I'm like, bro, yes. That's crazy, man. And then as the weeks progressed, I get in, I got more and more and more and more offers. Wow, it was crazy. Like, it was just like a so, a, such a surreal, like, feeling. It's because, like, bro, a year prior to that, I couldn't beg Juco to take me on. Yeah. And now I have a bunch of Division One schools who want to line up to yeah. – Give me a scholarship. That one team said you weren't good enough to come play for them. Oh, yeah. I have a remember story that? about that after okay, that. Okay. It's super funny. Yeah. So I remember going through the spring, and we had spring ball practice. And I remember um, we're doing drills, and there was probably about 30 Division One schools who were there. Yeah. 
And as we're doing drills, we're doing team, and then we have O-line drills. And we go on the far side of the field. And when we go down there, I just see a waves of coaches just coming and just, like, watching me practice. Yeah, and my heart just, like, going crazy. Yeah. Like, Yo, don't mess anything up. Make sure you're looking good. Like Opportunity. Opportunity. You have big schools there. Um, Coach Kittle, I believe he came in from Oklahoma. He actually yeah. didn't actually end up coaching me. He actually took another job afterwards. But Alabama was there, Arkansas was there, Fresno City was, uh, Fresno State was there. A bunch of Division One schools that are watching me practice, and it's just like how f- quickly things can change in your life, bro. That like, is crazy, man. Super crazy because you yeah. never know when the opportunity is coming. You never know when things can can kind of flip on its head. Well, that's in all your life favor. is, man. Just op- opportunities within your life, you just gotta take them. I just remember just kind of being out there and just having a moment to myself, bro. Like, bro, God is so good. Like. Yeah. The seeing this opportunity I'm getting where a kid from Ajax, Ontario, who last year had nowhere to go pretty much other than this one place, mm-hmm. is now going to be playing Division One football. Yeah, like, you're paying out of pocket to go play football. Yes. And now they want you to just play yeah. football and we're going to pay for everything. Super, super, super exciting, right? Yeah. So the year ends out. At that point, I have about 30-something offers from Division One schools. So I have a boatload of offers how'd you process this i didn't really process it until maybe when i was done juco in general i mm-hmm. remember having like a box in my dorm room full of letters like full of like school letters that was sending like different recruitment stuff mm-hmm. i remember pouring it out on my bed and just looking at this and being like bro this is crazy to have all these yeah. offer letters and, and stuff like that from these schools and like, what a blessing it kind of was. And that's when it kind of hit me that, like, I'm playing. My goal I set out to do, what I thought was so unrealistic, like, I'm about to walk into that, if that yeah. makes sense. Super, super exciting. Um, almost unbelievable. And a lot of people I tell this story to is like, bro, I don't know how you did it, but hats off to you. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the process. But the end of that, my first year Juco, I started getting a bunch of calls from other Juco's being like, hey, like, we see you're at this California JUCO. We know you're paying to go there. If you want to transfer here, <laughs> like we'll, we'll give you a full scholarship. Yeah, but you'd rather go Div 1, though. So you have to actually, because I wasn't a qualifier out of high school, I had to get my AA. So I had to stay at JUCO for two years. No way, man. Yes. And when did you find that out? When I was there. Oh, <laughs> my God. Was it after all these offers were coming in? No, or was it no. I knew before. So oh, like, okay. I remember the very first like two weeks on campus, they took us all to like an academic meeting. Yeah. And they gave us a list full of classes we had to have before we transferred to Division One. I. I was like, I have to pass all these classes before I go. Oh, my. It felt like it was going to take years. <laughs> but, like, you know when you're playing sports down south, you're taking five, sometimes six classes a semester. That's what I heard, yeah. So that just kind of was the case. So I remember kind of after the year was done, all these JUCOs wanted me to transfer. And it's so funny, Arizona Western and ASA, the two schools that basically one said I wasn't good enough and one gave away my spot, mm-hmm. were contacting me and being like, hey, we're like, we want you to transfer back. Like, transfer over here. You must have been laughing. Oh, I was like, how how the mighty have fallen, like. How the shoe is now on the other foot, if yeah. that makes sense. So what'd you do? You didn't go back to those I schools, didn't go did back you? to either one of those no, schools. No, that's what no. I was going to say. I went to a school called Trinity Valley in Texas, where I spent the next year before. Texas? Yeah, Texas. I love Texas. What made you choose that? Because um, you probably had like 20 offers probably in Juco, right? Yeah, I had a bunch of – I could have went to pretty much any Juco I wanted to. I think the reason why I went to that school is some they were connected to somebody I knew back home, and they kind of orchestrated how that was going to go. And they were talking to my dad, and at this point, my dad is over the moon because 
he was calling me. He's like, hey, like I have all these JUCOs calling me saying they want you to transfer, pay for everything. So pack your things. You're leaving, basically. Like I, I love my JUCO I was at. I didn't want to leave. Well, did they they not offer you a full scholarship? They didn't offer. They can't give scholarship. That's school. So no uh, Cali JUCOs could give scholarships back then. So shit. it was tough. I wanted to stay. I already made bonds with my friends, my teammates. I didn't want to go, my coaches. Yeah. But it's just something like that. like we're not going to be sitting here paying out of pocket for another year when I can send you to a school that's going to pay for everything. Seriously. Yeah. So I just remember going to school in Texas for a year. And after the season was done, I Anything sh- stand out in Texas? Um, like a coach or anything like the other school did? Not necessarily. I met a couple of really cool people there. Um, yeah, you just knew that you had to get through that year to go dip one. Yeah, That's and I think mindset. that was the tough part. It was just yeah. like just get through the year, stay healthy, and and just get out. Of here. And you like, did. Got through the year, stayed healthy. The most part, I had a couple of small things here and there. I hyperextended my elbow, mm-hmm. which wasn't super bad. The worst thing, yeah. but it was kind of like when you know you're about to go Division One is like, how much do you think you should push this at this exactly. point? Exactly. You know? What'd you so, do? Did you play through it? Um, somewhat until I kind of like shut it down near the end of the year. I was yeah. like, you know, I'm like. I'm about to sign. I'm about to come in and go somewhere else. I'm so I'm, after that year, how'd you how'd you figure out where you're gonna come in after all these thirty plus offers come in? It was tough. So originally I was gonna go to a school, Texas Tech, the school that Pete went to. Pete. I was gonna be there with Pete. Shout out Pete. Um that's kinda where I was I was going. Uh, when I really enjoyed my visit. The old line coach was a man of faith. I really connected with him. Yeah. And um that was kind of my mindset. I verbal to them, like I'm coming to Texas Tech. And literally, probably three weeks before National Signing Day, the whole staff quit and went to University of Cincinnati. Fuck. So it was Fuck, like, bro. whoa, 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 what's going on? Yeah. I, I was going on, coming, planning on coming on there, and then like, yeah. the whole staff is gone now. And they didn't wa- warn you at all? No, like, they just, didn't warn boom. you at all. They wow. just went. I remember getting a call from the coach being like, hey, we went to Cincinnati. We still think the world is you. We want you to come to Cincinnati. But I don't know. Just the kind of the way they went away about it at that point in time. And now I know it's just business. That's yeah, how yeah. things move at Division One football. Like <laughs> coaches will move like 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 nothing. No, yeah. At that time, I was like, oh, you kind of just took off on this team. You were saying how much of a, a team environment, or a family environment was. You want to build this family that yeah. you want to be a part of, and then you just took off in the in the middle of the night. Like I'm good. I'm not going over there. Yeah. And I kind of just reopened my recruitment. And it was between literally two schools, University of Kansas and Oklahoma. And at the time, Damn. the Kansas program was trash. It was horrible. And so why were you thinking there? Bro, Is the recruiter was so persistent. Like, he would not take no for an answer. Yeah. I remember him calling me, and he was like, hey, um, we want you to come on a visit. And I was like, oh, it's kind of close to the time I'm supposed to go home. He's like, hey, if you come here on a visit, we will bring you for the weekend. I'll fly you back to Toronto. And have a car service take you back to your house. Yeah. So now I was talking to my mom. She was like, yeah, take that because we don't want to pay for your flight back home. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't pay for your flight back home, so Damn. take that. <laughs> so I remember I was just going on this visit just to go on a visit. I had no intention of going to Kansas. But I remember kind of meeting the people there, super dope people. Um, and they were making some sort of JUCO all-star team. All the best JUCO guys were going to go and, yeah. and kind of turn the program around because they have been pretty bad prior to this. And that was really – kind of the motivating factor of me doing it. I remember on the visits when I found out Texas Tech staff left and the recruiter ran up to me. He's like, you see this? Yeah, these guys all left. You want to be a program or something like that? Come over here to Kansas. No way. Bro, he, they were on it. The recruiting, the recruiting, the recruiting is, is cutthroat. Yeah, I can, I can oh, see that. It's super cutthroat. Wow. So I remember kind of weighing my options. Like, hey, do I go to Kansas or do we go to Oklahoma? And I thought about it for a little while. And I was like, I can't 
not not go to Oklahoma. Yeah. At that time, Lane Johnson was just leaving. I was seeing how he was doing at the Senior Bowl and what he was projected to do in the NFL. One of my favorite linemen of all time, Trent, was um, already in the NFL. He went to OU prior. So, oh, okay, did. no, they have a they have a roadmap of producing pretty good offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I think this is probably the best decision for me. Yeah. And I end up going to OU. My visit to OU was pretty bad, to be honest with you. I really? Uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. Why? Like, why? Why was it so bad? Um. So and you went there. Yeah, what I went the there, fuck? and it was a it was a guy. Um, what's his name? His nickname was Sooner Dave. I can't remember his full name, but um, he told me something that kind of stuck with me. So we they played University of Notre Dame. The year Notre Dame went to the national championship, they lost. So one. You lose at at OU like the city's dead. Like nobody's going out and partying. Oh really? Yeah, oh. it was just super dead. So after we lost, it was just like the city was just dead. It was boring. So I was really? Like, yeah, I was like, uh, I didn't really want to go. But he told me something that kind of stuck with me. He's like, understand when you're choosing a school, pick what's real. Like mm-hmm. he said, see the hotel you're staying in, you're never gonna stay there again. Yeah. See the steakhouse you went to, you can't afford to eat there, so you're never gonna eat there again. You better figure out what's going to actually drive you to your school. And then those things were the academic um, people are going to be working with, your coaches, and your teammates. It's all true, though. Those are people you're going to be interacting with on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. if you're going to make a decision, make it based off of those things and not on, oh, what visit was the most fun or who took you to the nicest restaurants because they're going to do anything possible to make sure they kind of steer you to go to their school like that's yeah. and at 1920 it's hard to realize that it is really hard to i don't think i would have un- unless he told me that that day wow. he was just like yeah no one's real like all these things that you're factoring don't matter the three things that matter academics coaches teammates crazy that guy was in your life for a reason you know yeah. what I mean? and at the right moment too the <laughs> right moment right time it's, and it's, it's so crazy. funny too because like <laughs> my visit there was just so bad and i think he maybe saw it on my face yeah. and he was just like hey like yeah, maybe think about these other things too. Because I was like, man, it's time to it's time to go, bro. Like yeah, I was, yeah. at that point, I didn't really enjoy my time. Like, Damn, man. And I remember him telling me that, and he was just like, "Yeah, bro, you better factor these things in." I remember just going through my visit and the academic services, and I remember the night before the game, a couple of the red shirts took me to a movie. We hung out, super solid guys, some guys who are a strong faith base. Okay. And then um, the coaching staff. What I liked about them is they are consistent. Like Oklahoma's coaching staff doesn't change over too often. When mm-hmm. I got there, it was Bob Stoops, and then after that, Lincoln Riley came and he left. But for the most part, coaches don't really leave OU to go other places. Well, that's good. Then it's like a yeah. blue blood program. So I at least knew okay, the people I'm gonna be around are gonna be these people, yeah. and that's kind of what I want to yeah. base my decision off of. That makes sense. So how'd you where'd you sign? How'd you make it official? So I was at home. Hanging out with my brothers, um, and my brother was like, "Yo, you should just commit today if you know you're going to Oklahoma. Like, what are you waiting for? Just do it, bro." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right." And he goes, yeah. "Okay, like, can I tweet it out?" I'm like, "Sure." And he tweets, um, "I'm making my decision tonight at seven o'clock." Your ju- brother for dramatics, yeah. Eric, he kills me, bro. He's so the whole me. and how all you fans are like, I'm getting messages and DMs and people uh, like, oh, like you know, like you gotta come here and da da and talking, 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 and then literally he tweets out, "I'm taking my talents to 
Oklahoma University. Which he did is it actually, for you? Yeah, he did it for me. But it's actually University of Oklahoma, but it's OU. But yeah. he kind of said it wrong. People like, he doesn't know how to say the, the Oh, university. some people said that shit? 100%. That's so fucking funny, But it funny, was just man. funny because like we just, I ended up just committing that day off the spur of the moment yeah. and rolled with that. Was this your pastor brother who did it too? No, my younger oh, okay. brother. My I younger brother curious. did that too. I was like, the pastor brother. I was like, damn, he's really yeah. into it still. No, no, no. My younger brother. That's sick, man. Yeah. Awesome. It, was, it was pretty dope. It was That's, surreal, super yeah. surreal. And your phone just blew up, hey. Blew up. Blew up. Blew up. Family was happy blew with you. Was grandma that. there at that point? No. I, where was my grandma? Was she still around, though? No, she was still around. That's awesome. She was, still, she was around. still around. She was still around. They noticed that shit yeah. and everything. But all till the day, she thought I was going to play baseball. My no, girl, I know. But still, bro, it's still yeah, sick still, as fuck. still, she knew I was going to school. Yeah. Um, I think a funny thing, too, and I forgot to mention this um, about my decision to go to Oklahoma is I remember Coach Stoops calling me. He's like, yeah. hey, um, I really want to show you how interested we are, so I want to come and see you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like that'd be cool. I said, or would you rather me go see your parents? And I was like, you know what? Give me a second. I asked my dad, and my dad was all excited. No, tell him to come here to the yeah, house, yeah, and yeah. I want to talk to him, basically. That's cool, man. And it's crazy how much money these programs have. Oh, yeah. Coach Stoops took a private jet from Norman, flew all the way to Toronto, got in a car service, Went to my front door and had tea with my parents for maybe 15 minutes and then flew back home. Crazy. But that meant everything to your family, probably. Oh, my dad was over the moon about that. That's what I mean. He's man. like, I remember, I don't know until this day, I remember talking to him a couple of years ago and he was like, yeah, Coach Stoops came and, and sat in my house and uh, he sat and had tea. They took pictures with him. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's super crazy when you think about it. Like, But like those small things that schools can do to kind of like... Yeah show you that they want you to go there yeah. are, are everything huge big, right so that's how you became a fucking sooner bro I'm sooner man sweet funny thing i think i was the first ever canadian to play at oklahoma really i think so no bro that's that has it's to either, be a it's, either, it's either that or there was like some sort of random um no i think i was bro, bro okay that's crazy then funny thing is because i remember watching a game i should not lie i didn't watch the game somebody sent me a screenshot of it screen record of it of uh, they were watching the live telecast of the game yeah. and after me neville gallimore came he plays for the cowboys i remember now. neville yeah canadian kid as well yeah and they were talking about oh like canadian d lineman neville gallimore do you know who the first canadian was to play at oklahoma and uh, josiah st john bro you must have been like whoa <laughs> super crazy bro yeah. I was like yeah like yeah, Damn. a bunch of firsts, bro. It's super, super crazy. Minister's kid. I know. Crazy, right? How things happen like that. How life, things man. fucking happen. Yeah. That's a stat, though. Yeah. I wonder how they found that out. I'm, I don't know. I, and yeah. they were trying to find it for a while. And they, there was yeah. whispers of maybe somebody way back in, like, the 50s or 60s who was a Canadian kid playing football yeah. there. But I don't know if that was confirmed or not. Okay. But, so at OU, did you redshirt any years? Your first my year? First year redshirting. Okay. So first my year? very first year. Yeah. I remember going in there, redshirting. Um... Um, it's funny because I, when I went there, I was 320 pounds, ready to play college football. I thought I was big and bad. And they're like, yeah. So we have these machines where you get like your body fat percentage. Okay. Measured. Yeah. And so get my, serious. Oh yeah. It was like, okay, we looked at you, you're 27 or 28% body fat. The standard for O-lineman here is 23%. So you can't play until you hit that. Oh really? You can't play until you hit that? Can't play until you hit that. A body gonna, percentage. I was like, oh my God. Like, this is real. This is like, yeah, what? This is crazy now. So, they registered me my first year. I went from 325 pounds to 275 in the semester. What the fuck? Working out. Yeah. They have a, a nutritionist there catering your meals to you. Like, super serious. All stuff. paid for? All paid for. Okay. All paid for. So, just remember going through that process of 
when you were going through that process, did you realize like, holy shit, all this is paid for? Um, at all, or was it like everybody? This is what it is. This is the normal now. I think it became the normal now because I went to a school on scholarship before there, so yeah, it was yeah. like you kind of used to got used to like, I don't have to pay for books, I don't have to pay for housing. You don't yeah. even have to kind of second guess that. You just know like yeah. I have a place to stay. Um, I can swipe into the cafeteria, get food. Crazy. Um, which wasn't actually at that time, it wasn't that good. It wasn't after the cost of attendance came in a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where uh, I think it was Shabazz Napier after they went to the national championship at UConn, he was like, "Yeah, like people don't understand where we don't have enough food to eat." And da 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 da. I can definitely see that because our cafeteria was closed on the weekend. Yeah. And you get fifty bucks on the weekend to get food, mm-hmm. and. In my situation, they would take out American and Canadian taxes. So I got like $35 for the weekend. What the fuck? Great trash. Yeah, so, so it's not that great then. So like during the week, you were good. But on the weekend, I remember having times where it's just like, okay, am I going to pay my phone bill this week or I'm going to eat this Oh, gee, so it was a struggle still. Yeah, though. it was definitely a struggle because yeah. of the whole um, improper benefits through yeah. compliance they're very strict on what they can actually give not now it's a free kids for all nowadays now. are getting oh a free for all man they're getting like 80k just to come bro it's insane there's kids yeah. who are on college campuses with millions of dollars that's mind-blowing Jeez. but yeah what a time to be alive if i would say man. no what a time to be alive what a time to be good alive. for the kids good for them but yeah so that time was kind of a little bit of a struggle it wasn't always like that my senior years when they actually brought in cost of attendance so we got more money now they can actually put more food in our locker rooms. Yeah. Like it was actually way better. And then they got even better after I left. Like uh-huh. these guys will get a bunch of cash. They can swipe anywhere on campus. But yeah, crazy. So yeah, through my first year, redshirted. Second year, um, I was the swing tackle behind Daryl Williams. Okay. And Tyra, both of them played in the NFL for a little bit. Daryl just retired. Shout out to Daryl, my yeah. guy, and Daryl. And uh, was able to play behind those guys. And they were kind of in that process of grooming me to kind of be the guy going yeah, into yeah. my senior year. Yeah. Grooming me to be in the guy going to my senior year. So oh, so you didn't play to your senior year at OU? Not to my senior year. Oh, wow, I, I did. So what they would do is we'll be playing a team. And once we uh, got a position where we were doing good or like playing well or balling yeah, yeah. out, they would put me in. For sure. So then I'll play a couple of series with the starters, yeah. and then after that, they will let the backups play. Yeah, yeah. So they were grooming me in that instance until my senior year, and then my senior year, I yeah. got a chance to actually start and That's play. That's elite, bro. Yeah. No, no. That's just how they do it, though, hey? Yeah. Even at Bama, everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's, it's always, there's positive and negatives to going to big programs like that. When you go to big programs like that is the quality of players you're playing with mm-hmm. are all pretty good, yeah. right? So if I went to a small school, I am by far the most talented person there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play very soon. Yeah. But I play behind two guys who are going to the NFL next year. Exactly. So they're like, okay, well, there's no real necessary need for you to play right now. So going into my senior year now, um, all the expectations, um, all the hype, I thought I was about to smash this. Go in the NFL. Go to NFL. Yeah. Because – OU has a tradition of putting tackles in the NFL. Yeah, you were saying that. I remember just in the in the springtime seeing Lane and Trent, those guys coming back, and um, Donald um, Stevenson, all those guys coming back, Tyrus, yeah. and just them kind of encouraging me, be like, okay, yeah, like you're up next, bro. Just kind of have the time of your life because you're about to, yeah, yeah. you're about to go. And this, I remember, I came out of JUCO, the number one tackle in the country, four star recruit. 
I thought I was about to be a first-round draft pick in yeah. the NFL. That's what people were telling me, at least. Yeah. So how'd that senior year go, then? Oh, it went well at first. Yeah. And then it went horribly wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, um, um, first four games went pretty well. Um, I got my first road start um, at Tennessee, mm-hmm. where we played at Tennessee, 102,000 people. How is that atmosphere, playing like that? <sighs> Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I think... I wish there was like a simulator I can put people in so you can actually feel that environment yeah. because you can feel the atmosphere on your skin. If that makes sense. Like it was just like crazy loud. You couldn't talk to anybody. You couldn't really communicate at this time. Baker just transferred over from um, Texas tech. So this is his first year starting. Shit. Yeah. That team was really good. We had Mark Andrews on that team. Samaj P Ryan, Joe Mixon, Sterling Shepard, DD Westbrook. Damn. Like um, Charles Tapper, all these guys were NFL guys. We, mm-hmm. we had high expectations for that year. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley's first year as the OC. So yeah. um, just remember going to that game and in practice, they were playing the music and, and crowd noise. I'm like, no way it's going to be this loud. There's no way it's going to be this loud. And it was every bit that loud in the game. Really? Oh, my gosh. I remember the very first series being in my stance, and we're going on the clap. So I remember... Get in my stance, and every time it was third down, they'll be like, third down for what? A big boom go up, and a crowd would just erupt and scream, and you couldn't even hear anything. And I'm in my my stance. In the corner of my eye, I can see Baker, like, clapping. Like, he's clapping, like, to indicate the center to snap the ball. But my center couldn't hear it, so he's just sitting there with the ball. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is about to be insane because, bro, so, like, any tackle knows when you're in that situation, you start to like scoot in your stance and yeah. narrow because I'm about to have to get out of here quick because I don't know when he's going to snap the ball. Yeah. I remember him just looking back and like looking to his leg and he snapped the ball. And at that time, Kurt Majit, he actually played for the Riders. Oh, shit. Okay. He was a really good DN. He was right across from me. Yeah. And I remember just kicking out my stance and him screaming off the edge and me trying to get to that spot and pushing him by the quarterback. Incomplete pass. Pugs. The atmosphere was completely insane. So, how do you block that out? And how you just play football, bro? You got, you kind of just got. I got used to it over the through the game. Like that okay. was my first time really starting a game of that magnitude mm-hmm. on the road. Right, I played a game prior to that where like we're at home, so the crowd noise isn't that big of a factor. Yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. But when you're on the road, oh, it is a different animal. So just remember, kind of as the game went along, we changed the indicator on the sideline right after the first series. Shit. And I remember us going the first three quarters, nothing. But I remember us driving down the field, scoring a touchdown, and then going for two, getting it, tying it up, going to overtime, and winning a double overtime over Tennessee. And they were both ranked at the time, so it was That's like a crazy. big, a big victory. Crazy, crazy environment. How was it playing with Baker? It was pretty cool, man. Did you know at the time he was going to be like who he is now? So. Traditionally, he didn't fit the size requirements of a top-end quarterback. Yeah. But I remember seeing him because the year he transferred, he couldn't play. It's not like now where you can have the transfer portal. You have to sit yeah. out a year if you're moving schools. Yeah. So he would be the scout team quarterback. And I don't know if you remember Doriel Green Beckham. No. But he was like a, a top receiver coming out of high school a couple years ago. He transferred him from Missouri. Okay. And those guys on the scout team just tearing our starting defense apart every week. Tearing them apart. So I remember seeing him and being like, oh, if he can do this our defense right now, and at that time we had a pretty good defense. Yeah. Like he's gonna be able to play. Shit. But even though at that time it was his leadership qualities that made him 
yeah. the guy he was. Like it, he was a good quarterback, but his leadership qualities made him the guy he was at that time. Like, so, was he a cool guy too? Super cool dude. Yeah, super cool dude. Super chill. Yeah, um, really good leader. Even if he wasn't the best at something, you know, he was gonna always give his best. If that made sense. Yeah. So just kind of seeing that process was really motivating to see. Um, Crazy, bro. Like, yeah. First round pick in the CFL and first round pick in the NFL. I don't know you. Yeah. You know Only difference mean? is he makes yeah, way I, more money than I was. Way, <laughs> way more money than I yeah, was. But um, crazy. But yeah, it was it was it was super crazy experience because the guys like I saw on that roster. Yeah. We have a we have a bunch of guys that are still playing to this day. No, I saw yeah. a stat: the Sooners have the most active players in the playoffs right now. Just saying. Oh Everyone really? Out there. Yeah, okay. We got nine. Um, active in the NFL got to be Alabama, right? In general, definitely, I would just throw it out there and say Alabama. Yeah. Maybe Georgia or yeah. LSU may come in a close second. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a pretty – we're top top ten for sure. Jeez. I know that for sure. We have, a, we have a bunch of guys still in there. Do you see that thing that, like, Alabama players in the NFL made over $1.93 billion oh my. over their lifetime? I wouldn't – Every wouldn't. Alabama player? You know why? Because a bunch of guys are first-round picks. Yeah. They pump them out, bro. yeah. I think what these guys do a really, really good job of is scouting and recruiting players out of high school that are going to be guys, like the guys. They like, just know. That, like they're going to go there and they're going to dominate and they're going to come out of there. Because you look at all these guys they have coming in there every year, super, super impressive. Right? Yeah. Like other schools may have to kick a guy and develop him a little bit longer, but Alabama, they recruit them five-star recruits and they don't miss. They recruit often. them when they're like seventh grade, yeah. sixth grade. And, they don't, and those guys are just freaks. Yeah. Big, strong, athletic. Like Who's la- who's OU's last first-round pick? Our last first-round pick. Well, I mean, not first-round or first-overall pick. We went back-to-back with Kyler and Baker. The first overall. Oh, that would be the first one, yeah. I think those were the, the last two with the back-to-back Heismans. And then we had, um, after that, Jalen Hurts, he came in, but he wasn't a first overall. He wasn't a first overall pick. He went maybe in the second round. Or maybe yeah. Still going. Quarterbacks had a good run. Mm-hmm. We had um, Caleb, but he transferred to USC with, with Lincoln. Oh, yeah. So we would have had another Heisman Trophy winner, but. Crazy. Yeah, the transfer portal spoiled, spoiled our plans there, man. But I know. The transfer portal is crazy, man. Super crazy. What do you think of it? So I understand why they did it because you have situations like a Joe Burrow who was at Ohio State not really playing. He's able to transfer to LSU and elevate a program, which you want your high-level quarterbacks to kind of spread out. That's what makes football watchable. And I think they kind of wanted to do that, not really thinking it would turn into what it is now. Like now it is a free-for-all. As soon as a player is not playing within the first year, they are out of there. It's crazy. Because there's no real deterrent for you. Back when I when I was there, it's like, hey, if I transfer out of here, I got to sit out of your year of eligibility. There's a consequence of transferring. Yeah. Now we see people transferring two, three times. It's like, bro, why are you guys transferring school? Recruiters' so jobs just got way more crazier. Yeah, because now you got to recruit kids on your own roster to stay. Oh, yeah, I know. How do you do that? I don't know. That would suck. I don't know. But like, it's one of those things. It's just like you kind of have to figure out if they can play early. Yeah. Which sucks because you have those kids who for the first two years aren't really the best and then the third year they figure it out and then yeah. they go on to really good careers. But now it's kind of like, oh, like I'm not playing, I'm out of here. Yeah. And then they go to another school. It makes like, it interesting though. It does make it interesting. It's, yeah, yeah. It has more parity. So now you have good players not only just in the big markets, but they're actually transferring to other markets as yeah. well. Too, Look or, at TCU this year, coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. But TCU is one of those schools, they, they always are going to do this. They're going to, 
have a bunch of young players. They're gonna in the past they would stay together until yep. they're all like fourth and fifth year seniors, be very good, and then they'll go back into the bottom again. Like yep. when I was in college, my second year there at OU, they beat us when we were ranked like number four in the country. Oh. Yeah, they beat us randomly. We weren't supposed to lose again. They How'd beat that us. feel? Oh, it was horrible. The, yeah. Their fans rushed the field too. Oh like, shit! That's like the worst feeling ever. That'd be the worst. I hate yeah. that. Like, say, but, okay, go back to your senior year in uh, OU. Yeah. You were talking about Tennessee, your second second or first game here. Yes. So how did the year finish off for you guys? So we actually went to the Final Four. My year got kind of cut short a little bit sooner than that. Okay. So I remember in practice um, going through some drills, and then we are going through some team stuff. I'm feeling this pop in my knee. I didn't really know what it was at the time. Shit. But it's funny. I didn't realize what it was until I hurt my knee this year. Oh, fuck. Really? Yes. yes. That's fast forward like six years. Yeah. So like I thought I maybe just sprained my, my knee or something. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And I remember just taping it up and wrapping it up, putting a brace on it, and just playing through it. Not understanding, okay, like this is very uncomfortable. I really can't play through it, right? Yeah. So I ended up, after the Texas game, I played through it, had a horrible game. Mm-hmm. Probably my worst game I've ever played in my entire life. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, ah, oh, like... I don't know if I want to keep on playing on this. And putting on bad film. And <laughs> putting on bad, bad film. Yeah. So by the time I was healthy again, we had a young tackle coming in playing well, and they're just like, yeah, well, yeah, we're going to stick with the young guy. You know, that's so fucking crazy. my expectation my senior year fell through, and like, okay, this is my last year. What am I going through? Where am I going What am I going to do now? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was... One of those things where I didn't really grow up in a CFL market. When I say that, I didn't grow up in like Saskatchewan or Calgary, yeah. Montreal, back in the day, or Ottawa, one of those places. I grew up in Toronto. I didn't even go to an Argos game really? until hey. I played against the Argos. Yeah, which was I think is something that CFL definitely suggests. Yeah. So you didn't even really know much about the CFL, or not what? Really, not really. I didn't really know much. I didn't really know much people who even came up here and played. Yeah. So my experience was just kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to guess I'm going to the CFL. Like, that yeah. was kind of what it was going to be. Did you get any NFL looks at all or any camp looks at all after that? I had a, I had a couple. I had a couple. But I think it was just um, my agent and his plan of what he kind of wanted me to do at the time. And looking back at it now, I probably shouldn't have went with the agent I did go with. Because I think that it negatively impacted my career. I hear a bunch but, of that shit sometimes, oh my man. Gosh, horrible. Because they're they're dealing with so many other people at the same time. Yeah. Right? You don't know if their interest is actually their interest. Yeah. So like he kind of convinced me into like just signing up here straight away and not trying to take a shot down south because he's like, yo, you have yeah. guaranteed money. You're probably gonna go first overall. Like yeah, but not even close to the money you'd probably make. Well, in the NFL. No, not at all. If no. I was even on go, practice roster, bro. Yeah. If I were to go do it again. I would have exhausted every single drop of my NFL opportunities before I came up here. No, I feel that. Because once you kind of get up here, if the things don't roll in your favor the right way, you're kind of stuck, if that makes sense. right? Mm-hmm. Look at all the ballers that we played with. No, I know. And like, bro, why are you not in the league? No, man. Bro, <laughs> trust me. So it's just like, if you don't get the right opportunities or in the right situations, you kind of get into the situation where you're kind of stuck up here. Yeah. And I feel like I should have just exhausted every single drop of it down south before and then came up here if I if I needed to. Shit happens for a reason, though, right? 100%. My yeah. Friend. Mm-hmm. You met your wife up here or what? No. So me and my wife actually went to high school together. Oh, what the fuck? We didn't yes. even have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yes, so yes. you guys met in high school. So I remember I was at summer school in the eighth grade. Yeah. And we're on the bus, and there's this girl who sat right behind me. Okay. And I remember just looking at her. 
I'm like, that's kind of cute, man. Let me yeah. shoot my shot. I remember back in the day, I'm probably going to age myself. Yeah. We had MSN. I don't know if you guys know what MSN is. I remember MSN. MSN Messenger. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, what's your MSN? And she gave me her MSN. <laughs> and we'll talk back and forth. Yeah. And kind of go through there. But then she ended up going to my high school the very next year. We yeah. never dated in high school or anything. We're friends. Were, we're you cool. friends though? Yeah, yeah. we're cool. We're, we're friends in mm-hmm. high school. And we never dated. And then I went to the States. She went on a full um soccer scholarship to university of louisville and mm-hmm. went down there and played for her. she's actually a real athlete in the family. damn bro so you were never in the relationship <clears throat> when you guys went to universities or colleges no, down not, south not at all do you guys keep in connection though no like, we keep in touch keep in connection we'll yeah. talk all the time we kind of use each other as like a crutch in the way of like hey like i'm having a tough time at school like yeah, yeah. nah stick in there like everything's gonna work out don't worry about that mm-hmm. um just friendship really good friends um it was crazy because everybody like oh you guys seem like you're together we had dated different people at the time it wasn't really until after three years in the league, probably, when I was playing up here, where she was like, you know what? Like, I think we should give it a try. Like, let's just try a date. And I was like, okay. She's going to watch She's this. She's like, okay. Oh, that's yeah. not going to happen. I'm like, okay, I guess. Okay. So, you know, it is what it is. Right, so. Damn, that's what I mean. Shit happens. Yeah, it happens. So then after that, we started dating and then uh, got married in 2020 and then yeah. kid and another kid on the way and. Yeah, full, full, full-fledged family here, my friend. That's crazy. Yeah. I know we were taking it slow there, but like, I know we fast-forwarded really quickly here. But how does it feel being a dad? Um, like, I, were you like prepared to be a dad one day in your life, always, or what? No, I, I don't think there's any way you prepare or plan for kids. It just, yeah. if you want to prepare and plan, you will never really be ready. If that makes sense. I remember um, we had been married for about five or six months, and then she came in the room, and she no. Maybe a week. She's like, I just feel weird. Like, I don't know. I feel weird. I'm thinking, like, man, like, like you're fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, you do this all the time. Yeah. And then she was just like, no, like, I think I'm pregnant. Da, da, da. I'm like. She just had a feeling. She didn't, like, take a pregnancy test or anything. No, she had a feeling. So then, okay, I went and got her some tests. And she took the <laughs> test, and she's like, see, I told you. And what was your reaction? You were like, I was like in shock. Oh shit! You switched up then. You're I like, was in Fuck. shock. I'm like, oh, I gave her a hug. I'm like, yeah. okay, it's exciting. I remember I had to go do something, and I went and sat in my car, and I was just like, I'm about to have a kid in my mind. <laughs> just sitting by yourself. I was like, not like a small panic attack, but it was just like, yeah, like like I'm gonna have another person who's gonna look to me to be a leader and to look to me to when. You know, like to be a provider and and to really give a kid what all a kid needs in his life, and it's just like, oh, am I ready to do this? Like, it's crazy. Well, I guess you gotta get better. You get better ready. get ready to do it. Better yeah. get ready to do it now. So that's awesome, man. Till this day, I will sit down and do stuff, and I'll just look at my son. And it's just like, you're my kid. Like, it's super weird. Like, <laughs> he's like, gonna look at back. He's look back at this and just laugh. Yeah, at you. Like, yeah, you're my kid, bro. Like, and he does things, and the way he would like smile and act, like it's like, oh my, I love that kid so much, man. Crazy yeah. man. And we have another one in the way. Yeah, I was just gonna and say. It's like I can't even fathom loving another child the way I love my son. But yeah. like, I'm about to have another kid and love them equally. People, are like, how you love them the same? It's like, bro, I don't know if it's possible. Like, yeah, like me, yeah. me and my son are just like, yeah, you know. So, so, is, so is it true that wife, you sh- your wife was number one forever? But as soon as the kid comes around, is he number one? Um, wife's number two. I don't think so. I think the wife is always number one. I think yeah. the kids are a different category if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i think the kids are more so like you know what i am doing my best to prepare you as much as i possibly can in this world Mm -hmm. and i think when you have a wife it's like you're my partner in this if that makes sense i don't know it's kind of like a different 
a different thing for me. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, like through thicker, through thin, through sickness, through health, like yeah. that's my wife. We're gonna stick together. We're gonna figure things out. We're gonna whatever we need to do to prepare our kids. We're gonna do whatever we're gonna do in business. We're gonna do like it's somebody you actually have a chance to kind of grow and develop with. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and also it's a pretty cool feeling. And yeah. when you have a kids, it's like okay, now it's like, how do we now best prepare them? How yeah. do we now make sure? that they're starting a little bit ahead of where we started. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's in all things, either financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all those different things. Yeah. You gotta kind of so all you want to do as a parent, well, give yeah. them what you didn't really have. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. But don't spoil them too much. You know what I no, mean? I'm not, a big, I'm not a big spoiler. I'm no. a big I'm a big person on this. Okay, I'm going to make sure I try to teach you all the things in life that I may have learned at 30 when you're 20. Mm-hmm. So now you have 10 years to kind of, build upon the knowledge you already have right i know a lot of times we kind of go through our ages in our early 20s where it's kind of like oh well i'm gonna have fun i'm partying i'm not saying that's all wrong no yeah what i'm saying is if you have a plan in place where you can actually develop your your goals and aspirations for life it's better to do it as young as possible. Yeah, you don't want to be thirty something like that, still no. being like, "Hey, I want to rap." Like, Bro, I, I think wanna... if your parents listening to this, be proud of you. You know hey, what I mean? Yeah, I think I'm a, a little pretty... pastor in you, a little minister in you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> first house is it? Is yes. this true? Is this your first house you bought? Very first house. Yes. How'd you come to that? How'd you come to that realization? That so, um, again, it was one of those things where we're talking and we're like, "Hey, you know what? We want to progress in life. We want to." F- take the next step right and the mm-hmm. next step in that is buying a house we've been renting and doing different things and a decision we came to was like hey, you know what we don't want to just buy a townhouse or just buy like a simple house to live in let's make our first property an investment property yeah for sure so we bought an up down duplex and we actually lease out the basement oh you do yes which is one of those things where we're kind of going on this journey together we eventually want to start to acquire more properties and, and yeah. rent out the basements rent out the top and kind yeah. of build a small portfolio of rental properties. That's the properties. way to do it, bro. Yes. No, yeah. really, we really, and this is kind of how we go about things, or well, how I go about things. And I just try to get my family in order to kind of get the direction where we're going in life. Be yeah. Like, you know what? Make money when you sleep, man. That's the way to go. That's how you got to do it. That's how you got to be financially free one day. Uh-huh. So is it hard renting the basement to people you trust? I've always wondered that. Um, I think it, and everything you can't build wealth without taking a risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a thing that uh, most of my life was like, oh, I don't want to rent to anybody or I don't want to do different things to take risk. But that's mm-hmm. where the – I took a risk by going to California to play football. You did, yeah. I took a risk by doing a bunch of things in my life, right? Yeah. So I think our, our game plan was like, hey, we know two things. Most of the millionaires are made through real estate, mm-hmm. and we know we need to have at least six to seven streams of income. So this is one way we can actually – house hack we're living upstairs rental our basement and in the process save to buy another house and then buy another one and do it again yep. and do it again and do it again do it again and create passive income for ourselves to actually supplement another stream of income which will give us more financial freedom in extent. 20 years man or even 15 years bro you're laughing facts laughing facts. yeah so now the next process we're talking about is kind of doing some more investments, um, not just here in Canada, but like overseas as well too. Yeah, we want to buy a, a house for both of our kids and and let it just get the ec- um, equity to build in. And then when they turn eighteen, here here's a property. Seriously, though, you can sell it. Smart. You can live in it. You can keep the income for yourself. I don't really care. The Herman Reed brothers do that, hey? Oh, yeah. They I go off. To, they go off. You talk to them? Oh, I talk to them all Oh, time. bro, yeah. they're so, like, entrepreneurish, man. Yeah, and it's so, motiva- so motivating to me. It's funny because, like, 
I was like, okay, I'm acquire maybe one property a year, and then he's like, yeah, we got like three properties. Yeah, he's got like, like a complexes and shit. I'm like, and it kind of ignited the fire in me. Okay, I gotta do, I gotta do more. Like, Facts, bro. I gotta do more, right? And I think that's why you gotta surround yourself with the people that I always want the same shit. You, know, you want more in life. A hundred percent. I think that's really, really important, especially when it comes to building what you want in your life. And I think especially because we play in the league we play in, yeah, the CFL. I always tell people who wants to go from making. Let's say on the low end, seventy thousand dollars in six months to yeah, go working in a factory making sixty, seventy thousand dollars for a year. I know. Bro, you gotta replace that income as fast as possible. And yep. I think that doing that as well will give you a mental release where every year now, oh, am I gonna be on the team this year? Okay, I'm gonna live, I'm gonna survive. Exactly. Once you get bro. to the point where you're investing that money and now you're not as tied to playing for as long as possible, which sucks, bro. I wish Safeway was different where I know we didn't have to make those type of decisions for a livelihood, but I guess it is, is what it is. It makes us do, like, it makes us smarter, though, at a younger age, <laughs> it too. Does. It makes us budget our money more. Uh-huh. It makes us do smarter things. Yes, it's really important because now you got to do all that stuff. You got to make sure you're budgeting for the off season. Yeah. You got to make sure that you're trying to grow your money as much as possible. Yep. A bunch of guys have jobs, go to school. Why do you think I'm starting the podcast, bro? Yeah. Why do you think I do training kids and all that shit? Just trying to, like, so in five years, bro, hopefully this thing's doing something and making money one day. Making money have another stream of income that can kind of exactly. grow your portfolio so you're not gonna spend all your time because we all heard those stories where people were playing sports and then they're done sports and then they didn't save anything oh and then they're just back to square one but yeah. now you're a square one at 30 years old yeah. <laughs> like that's like that's hard man. that's a tough spot to be in right so yeah. proud of you fucking doing your thing man buying a house and you oh, know yeah. what i mean making sure everything's set up for your family and shit 100 a lot of people man. not doing that shit no, out there no, you got to man you got no. to i'm a very when it comes to those stuff i'm very like you ever think you'd be like a mental health coach or or a coach in life or something? I think I think I think I would enjoy that. I think it's kind of just finding the time to set that up. I would. Yeah. I love mentorship. I've done a lot for like people in our community back home in Ontario. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't really think of it as a business, rather than just like, hey, I have knowledge to pass on. So. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? No, true. You know, so you just got so much more shit to do at home right now yeah, and make sure your kids are more like a hundred percent on the right so, path. But I did really enjoy it. I had a couple of, of kids who actually during the pandemic we actually started this little like workout group. Oh. And it was funny because it was like I'm not necessarily going to train you. Yeah. I'm gonna work out and you're gonna come work out alongside of me and we're gonna all push each other to kinda get better. Yeah. The first time we went out there it was like five or six kids, then it was fifteen kids. And it was 17 kids. The next thing you know, we have like 20 kids showing up with their shoes and cleats and water to come do a workout. That's crazy. And just seeing the way it built during the pandemic was actually super cool. I really enjoyed it. met a lot of really good kids who really inspired me because a lot of these kids during that time, they had goals just like I had at that age of going and playing Division One football. Yeah. And it was completely ripped away from them because it was like, okay, yeah, no school to close, no more football for a year and a half, two years, really. They lose all that recruiting film, everything. Gone. And nobody really made any plans to make sure these kids who were in that time frame didn't fall through the cracks. A lot of them didn't. Grade 11 and 12s were fucked, bro. Oh, they were still a lot of them. They were not playing football in grade 11 or 12. Done. You wouldn't even be making plans. It's done. And I I just remember meeting this, well, not meeting, I knew him before. Yeah. Um, He actually was at University of Laurier. Isaiah Adams had a really good friend who was coaching um, a football team that he played on, and they was telling me about this kid, yo, he's the next big thing out of the area, O-lineman, like, come see him, check him out. Mm-hmm. I remember going and watching him and just seeing the way he moved. I'm like, yeah, he got it. Like, 
You can just tell right away. Oh, you can you tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he got it. Like, he's going to be able to kind of develop and move on and play in the next level. Yeah. And I think because I played at the level, I can spot him very clearly. Of, okay, you need this, this, this in order to do that. Yeah. And once you check the boxes, I can see it very quickly. Yeah. And he just had it. And he at this time was what? Grade nine? Yeah. Grade nine. And I remember him going through high school and then him going to the University of Laurier. Oh, he ended up making it? Yeah, he went to Laurier. And he was very... Um, I would say discouraged. I think he saw other people in his age group go down south and play Division One football, and he was like, bro, that should be me. Yeah, you can't think like that. Can't think like that. But then during the pandemic, mm-hmm. because of everything that happened, he was able to leave Laurier because they weren't playing football and transfer to a Juco. No way. Oh, he really wanted it. Oh, he wanted it. And, yeah. like, I would do my workouts. He came, and he would drive an hour to come work out with me every Fuck, single bro. day. Bro, one of the most proud – I've ever been of anybody in my entire life because really, when people have every reason not to, but they find a way, that's they just so motivating. Where's he at now? University of Illinois. No Playing way, Division man. One football. What's this guy's name? You must shout Isaiah out. Adams. Isaiah Adams, my dog. Shout out, bro. Going to be in the NFL. So what year is he in? This is this was his senior year because of COVID. They got an extra year. Damn, man. You yeah. work with this kid all the way from high school to like senior. Yeah, but it was just it was to be honest with you, bro. It was it was mostly him, bro. Like, yeah. well, obviously, man. But is this like the coach back in like JUCO? Who's our coach out? You were talking Pop, about Popovich. So you trying to be like him or what? Or is that kind of inspire <sighs> you? Inspired by him to help yeah. out others? I don't think I would, definitely to help out others. I don't think I would be like the coach of like a university team, but yeah. I would definitely train mm-hmm. like young old lineman who wants to kind of get more knowledge and improve their game in that aspect. So yeah. um, he just wanted it, bro. And like, he, like I said, he had every excuse not to, and he found a way he dr- drove an hour to go work out, came in all the time. He found a way to pay for it. He found a way to transfer another school. He, when he went there, he stayed focused, got a chance to go to division one. Crazy. And bro. This year started every single game. Yeah. He's going to get drafted in NFL next year. Yeah, he did like, what you did, bro, man. Bro, and I'm super proud of him, man. Yeah. You know, super, super proud of but him. But people so. don't also don't understand that, like, a lot of things have to go right along yeah. your journey. You can't just be the stud in high school. No, right? I mean, no, you got to no, be no. the stud in university, then yep. JUCO. you got to take all those opportunities mm-hmm. along the way, man, yep. and you can't fuck up at all. No, you cannot at all. you got to make sure you're capitalizing on everything. And a lot of times I tell people football is really situational. Yep. So as you go into the right place at the right time, the right staff that, that cares about you doing well, and you're getting in the situation where you can actually make um, strides in that aspect of you playing sports, if that makes sense. Seriously, bro. Because uh, that's why you look at some guys and be like, okay, why did he not do well here, but he did well over here? Why did, um, what's his name? Oh, what's his name, bro? I think a lot of it's mindset, too, oh, bro. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're in a place where you're comfortable and you're trusted, you know, and you don't, if you fuck up, they have your back, no yeah, matter 100%. what, bro, yeah. you know you can go out there and do your thing. Oh, yeah. You I mean, if you're going out there overthinking all your bullshit because you're going to might get benched here. Yeah. It's a completely different. That's atmosphere. not how football's played, man. You yeah. can't you can't play football on a high level like that. You can't have the mentality of anything but go and play and play hard and play fast. And yeah. usually, if you're in a situation where you're allowed to do that, people generally do pretty well. No, that makes sense. But 100%, yeah, just seeing man. him kind of go and 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 kind of stretch forward and do that, bro, super proud. I still call, talk to him all the time. He still reaches oh, out. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Sweet. Whenever man. As, whenever we want to talk and get advice and bounce off each other. Yeah. We definitely connect and some of that too. So hopefully, sweet man. Yeah, well, let's go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when, when you were saying you knew you're going to go to the CFL, did you know right away you're going to be the first overall pick? Um, no, because at the time I think I was like the fifth or sixth ranked. I saw top five. Yeah, you're number fifth. Yeah, you're fifth overall. It was um Tavon Austin, David Amiana. Who else was in that class? All those two are playing in the NFL right now, by the no, way. No, Austin. 
Um, oh, Tavon no, no. Austin, he was in the NFL for like a year, a year and a half, and then came to the CFL. Yeah, but t- isn't, he, isn't he in the NFL right now? Mm-mm. Oh, no, isn't he's, he? Oh, that's Ottawa. Tavon Campbell. No, Tavon Campbell? No, no, no. Not, no, Tavon Campbell's in the NFL. Tavon Campbell's in the NFL. I thought, Cra- was that the same draft? Crazy no? story about Tavon Campbell. He played in five CFL teams, got cut by all of them, bro. And he's playing on Sundays. <laughs> right we were now, just talking uh, about situation. He played in the Jaguars game bro. the other day. That's what I'm trying to tell people. It's all situation-based. If you're put in the right situation yeah. at the right time, you can play, man. He went to the U of R where I went to. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I came, he's a he's a, a Toronto boy, so he played um, he yeah. for the Thunder. So we had similar coaches kind of growing up. Okay. So I remember hearing about when I first got out here. And I remember he was on a team and it was kind of like working out and training with him. And I remember when he got cut. And I was like, bro, like, damn, they cut the lawn? Like, yeah, like, what the fuck? That's kind of crazy. And it's kind of seeing him bounce around. I think for a year he was out of play out of football playing rugby. Yeah, he was. He gets playing discovered, team rugby. gets discovered, and then he got an NFL shot, went and played for a little bit. I think he was he went to the Jets. Jets at first, and then after that he went to L.A. L.A. Yeah, started he playing actually there. started for the L.A. Chargers for a whole year, yes. bro. And then he got a chance to go play for the Jags. Jags this year. Bro, like I said, man. Like, he probably made more money in those last three years than he's ever made in the CFL, CFL. or in his entire life. Yes, 100%. Fuck. Bro, That's why you just keep grinding, bro. Deserves it, man. Keep working. Keep. You never know when your moment's going to come. Bro, he got cut by four CFL teams, bro, and said you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough. Think about that. He could have hung up the cleats, and they just oh, said, and I nah, think I this. think a lot of times when those moments are presented, and I don't, I don't only say this just for football. There might be people who don't even play sports or are watching this. And moments in your life when you may feel like you're frustrated with the results you're getting or you may not be um, where you want to be, just take that mentality of like, hey, just one more day. One more day of putting forth effort. One more day of making sure I'm doing the best I can mm-hmm. and become consistent in that and stack those days and it will change your life, man. Stack those bricks, bro. 100%. Look at, like you said, he had every he had every excuse not to and he did. Yeah. Fuck he could have gave up. He could have went back home and, and worked the Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. He could have did all type of things, but he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give up on this. Oh, I can't play football in the CFL? Let me go play rugby for a year and show but people. How, does, how do coaches miss that, bro, in the CFL? How do you he, miss that? It, I, so I think this is my theory. So the CFL is not like the NFL who have scouts upon scouts, right? Do you think a GM is sitting there watching every single player's no, tape? No, no, no. he's no, not. No. Right? So it, the CFL is very name-based, like – once you make a name for yourself, it'll allow you to kind of get more opportunities than others. Yeah. I think Tavon always had talent. He had track speed. Fast as fuck. Good size. Like, he, you can see how he would play in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think when he got opportunity to show that, he may have found the right coach who was like, hey, well, this guy has potential. Bro, it's the co- man, it's the right coach yeah. in the right time, too, man. And they gave him a chance. He was on a PR for a little bit of the Jets. He got yeah. a chance to go to the, to the Chargers, show what he can do, and then he started playing and starting in the NFL. Crazy, bro. I remember when I got cut from Winnipeg last mm-hmm. year, right before I came with the Riders, I sat down with the coach. He's like, he, said, he, said, he said to me right straight, I was like, you can't play special teams. Uh, That's why we're cutting you. You can't play special teams. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm like, okay, okay. Right? Yeah. And then after that, I felt like I wanted to quit and everything, but then the Riders picked me up, bro, and the next uh, year, I'm playing on every special team. Yeah. I'm like, how does, but not even like within six months, bro. Yeah. So how does one coach say you can't play at all, uh-huh. and the next year, you're on every special team? It's, it's all perspective. The views in the behind the man. Like, you, you don't know what people are going through, and I always, I give these gyms a break because their job is so much harder than like the NFL because you can't just recruit straight based on talent in the CFL mm-hmm. because the kids who come out of college who are super talented to have it figured out are in the NFL but yeah. not playing here. No. So you have to look for, okay, who has potential? Where do we see this potential? How do we develop them? What do they need? What do they need for them to contribute in a meaningful way to our program? 
right? And then you have to find and identify those things and put them in a position to do so. So it's not like uh, like NFL where you're going to the draft and you know the top ten picks are just these freaks of nature. Nature, they'll you be know, there for fifteen years. They're gonna be there. They're gonna come and yeah. they're ready to go right now. If they're not a quarterback, you may miss a quarterback. Other positions, generally in the top ten, you don't really miss too often. Mm-hmm. Right? CFL is different. CFL is a whole different animal when it comes to recruiting and, and scouting and evaluating talent. Because you got to have twenty Canadians and twenty Americans on the field, right? And you can't draft kids out of college who are completely. Who are who are not a project in some way? It's crazy because they're gonna be in the NFL. <laughs> uh, exactly. Right? If, if if you catch a kid out of college who has prototypical size, athletic ability, super smart, all these different things like that, has no holes in their game, they're going to the NFL. Look at Davy Amunata. I know. That's what I was gonna say. Still playing NFL yeah. out of University of Manitoba. Really good D lineman. Right, so must be hard for a fucking CFL GM then, hey? Oh, it's super tough. I couldn't even imagine. Uh, I think you have to you have to be able to identify talent. But also, more importantly, you have to be able to identify what does this guy need and how can I provide that for him to improve his game. Yeah. So if you have a player who's like, oh, like, he's just undersized, but if he gets more time to really improve his game, he will improve in this aspect. Okay, I can bring him to my team, and he may need 10 or 15 games before he gives me a real true return on my investment. Yeah. Or, you know, we have this DB. That's crazy. He lacks size. Maybe lacks top end speed. Okay, maybe we take him, see if we can get some weight put on him, and move him to another position where he can kind of use his natural ability, or just use him for special teams yeah. only. Something, but you you can't yeah. draft people with the intention of them just coming in and being perfect day one. Or oh else no, gonna, it's not gonna happen, right? Because no. if they were, they'd be playing in the NFL. They'd be playing in the NFL. <laughs> again. They'd be playing in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It must be hard as fuck to be a champ. Yeah. Could you do something like that? Be a scout? Oh, I think that's kind of. What I always wanted to do, like I'm like, oh, when I'm done playing, I want to work in the front office for a football team. Yeah. But it's hard to get and get into those roles because you know football is everybody kind of hires everybody if that makes sense. Like the same guys bounce around from team to yeah, team because they have connections, they yeah, have their friendships. Right? You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, do I at when I'm done playing football, do I try to get into that right after that? Or yeah. and I have a young family. You gotta know somebody. Yeah. So yeah. I think. I would definitely like a role like that. I think I have an eye for doing different things. Yeah. But it's like, what does it look like now? And the CFO, I don't think they do a good job of really developing their brand to be I able know, to provide right that financial freedom for them, for people to actually work in their industries, right? And mm-hmm. then their, their league, which is not a good thing. I think no. with the competition coming from the USL and XFL now, yeah. They have to figure that part that part out. When is that coming out? Is that coming out in the XFL's already started, man. No, XFL's already started. XFL, they're having training camp as we speak, and the Jeez, USFL man. starts in June. I'm so, saying those two teams blow up, man, and if yeah. they get more money than CMC field guys, man. They, uh, you I don't think, think they will? So this is what drives this is what drives football. And I think this is why um the CFL continues to to thrive is those other leagues, what their issue is gonna be is quarterback play. High-level mm-hmm. quarterback play. Yeah. If you cannot get high-level quarterback play, your league is not going to do well. And I think another aspect of that as well is is Americans probably view XFL and USFL as Division two semi-pro football. It's always not the NFL. And what's CFL then? I think that the unique thing about the CFL is we have the ratio. Yeah. So now you actually have people who are from your communities – like you're a Jana boy playing for the Riders. Yeah, that means crazy. something to those communities. Yeah. But I think that the CFL doesn't really truly understand right now. I really don't think they do yet. No, no, no they no. don't. Because I remember they lowered the ratio. Remember that? S- said that can, people don't care about Canadians playing anymore. What did you think about that whole strike? Remember that in camp? 
That I, shit was fucked. That feels so long ago right now, but that shit oh, was fucked. Was, I think I think as a as a league, we're just lost right now, and there's no true plan of what should be done. I think if you were walking to the whole board right now, be like, hey, do we have a, a 10, 20, 30-year plan of where the league should be? I guarantee you there's not one. Oh, no. They're, not at all. Oh, they're, I think they're going year-to-year kind of winging it. Oh, for sure. Didn't because, we sign a five-year one, though? Yeah. I just don't think they have a real vision of what the league – because I can tell you right now, the NFL wishes they had the CFL game. Mm-hmm. And I say this because of this. Big field, three downs, exciting football. It is exciting. You can if, Imagine if you took – Mahomes, if you took um, what's the guy in Buffalo's name, um, quarterback in Buffalo's name? Oh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Even Tyreek Hill, that fast. And you put these guys in the the CFL, be explosively entertaining, bro. Yeah, we play every special teams down. In the NFL, they don't. It's a super entertaining game. Yeah. What the NFL has done is they've put um, um, a claim on all the best players coming out of college for the most part, basically. High-end quarterback play, mm-hmm. which will gear towards big plays, yep. and they understand the business of what they want to do, right? So I think if the CFL really wanted to start to climb those ranks, they have to figure out ways to improve the bottom floor of um, the play in the CFL. Mm-hmm. I think if I was a CFL, you know what I would do? I would go build a big prep school, and I would recruit all the best Canadian high school players and let them go there for high school. And what, would, what would that do, though? Once of those kids get so good, though, uh, they say, fuck the CFL, I'm going to the NFL because yeah. I'd rather make and it that, better, And that may happen. Yeah. But maybe if you get out of the class of 50 kids you bring there, if at least 30 of them come and play in the CFL, I know. That's year after happen. year after year, of all these kids who are having high-level training, high-level strength and conditioning, high-level coaching from yeah. a younger age, you're going to raise the floor. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have to worry about Division two football because well, yeah. these kids are local kids. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about lowering the ratio because these kids are already studs anyways. Yeah, you know the I mean? ratio thing drives me crazy. And no, it drives me crazy. They told, they said the ratio doesn't matter, and then they went raving about Nathan Rourke, which is a dog, by the way. Oh, bro, yeah, Canadian quarterback. I thought it didn't matter if he's yeah, Canadian. <laughs> and then they went and had CFL 2.0 with the Globals in order to tap into markets that are not America and Canada because they play over there yeah. and saying it doesn't. That's the same model they're using to attract people in different countries. Like, it just doesn't... Like, that's why I said that I don't think they have a real plan. They're kind of just trying who's anything. Who's doing it? Who's, who's behind know, who this knows, shit? Who knows, man? Who yeah. knows? It's probably people we don't know. But it's just... It's more so, like, the thought process behind all those things. You have to... under There has to be a plan. Yeah. Like I said, if you don't have a plan, we're just out here playing, we're going to be in a tough situation a couple of years when these other leagues start to get going a little bit. If they offered you that job to run this shit, would you do it in a heartbeat? Oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But they wouldn't want me... They wouldn't want me doing that job because I'm shaking everything up. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're gonna to scrap everything. We're going to look at every single thing we do yeah. that's going to be done with a purpose. We're going to figure out, okay, what is our plan? What do we want to ultimately get to? What's the thing, man? This shit's ran by a fucking couple billionaires, bro, that kind uh-huh. of own a couple of, like, teams. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The Toronto, uh-huh. all the Toronto-based teams. 100%. And then that's basically it. Yeah, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you if they own them. It's like, okay, what is our plan for this league? Yeah. If, like, yo, we have a product we really believe in. How do we improve it? Okay, these are ways we can improve it. Okay, how do we get to that point? Okay, we're going to do this. And investing money in order to get to the place. I actually remember watch, watching a video saying... The CFL players at one time used to get paid more than NFL players. When though, bro? This is like like 1980, 1970s. Years and years and years and years ago. Yeah, the Canadian dollar was probably better too. But at one point in time, it wasn't a far fetched thing to be playing in the CFL compared to the NFL. I remember at one time it was a uh, was a Rocket Ishmael. 
who came and signed a million dollar deal with the Argos mm. out of college. Even Doug Flutie and shit. Even who's the Warren, other guy? Man? Warren Moon. Warren All Moon. These high level say. players who developed here and went down yeah. this year in the NFL. But you have they have to just do a better job of understanding what the direction of this is, yeah. understanding what the narrative is going to be, and understanding okay how do we build ourselves brick by brick, year by year. Mm-hmm. Like it should be a situation that the CFL is in a better position next year than it was this year. And they don't really, think like that. Though. To really say that with all with all confidence, not really. No, they just, just try to get it out every year. They just want to get their ticket sales, get yeah. the gate sales, turn a profit, and be done with it. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, that's cool until it's not, until we have a COVID year when we don't play. I think if they had a mentality like, hey, we're going to grow this thing, we're going to grow this thing. We want next year, we want us to be worth more next year than we were this year. We want more eyes on us um, next year than we're this year, tracking all those things. You gotta get people to run that shit who's been a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just these yeah. old heads, though. I'm not yeah. the mean to call them old heads or anything. Yeah, but. I just don't think they really understand. I think they understand business because yeah. you can't uh, acquire that much wealth without understanding business. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they understand football business. I don't think they understand um, marketing to the tune of attracting young fan bases to actually tune in and watch consistently. So I think bro. if you don't have that, then you're gonna be stuck right you gotta find ways to use instagram find using twitter even tiktok even though it's tiktok all those different things okay what do young hungry um um, fans of football want to see what is their game experience what do they want it to be like and catering it to that man we could do it bro i I know we could definitely do it just are you are they gonna allow you to exactly how much longer do you think you're gonna play football for here if i want to be perfectly honest I want to probably play until I'm about 35 and be done there. So five more years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm good there. We'll see. Like, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, like, I'm not, I don't want to leave this game beaten and battered. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, obviously, you're going to play football. You're going to have different bumps and bruises. But there's some people who kind of, they don't think about life after football. Like, yeah, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You're going to have to get a, a regular job after football. That's no one's going to leave this game rich. And no one's going to leave this game retired. You're going to mm-hmm. have to go find um, something that's other than football, and I would love to have my body intact <laughs> in yeah. order to do so because if if it's not, no one's really going to bat an eye. Seriously, man. And you said you were starting to work next week, actually. It's yes. an off-season job. Just yes. got an off-season job at KPMG, so you be working there. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. I'm excited to get started over there. Um, just trying to kind of get my life into a full circle where I'm constantly bringing in income, mm-hmm. constantly learning. I think this job's going to challenge me in a, in a way that other ones haven't in the past. So Sweet. get a chance to kind of learn and adapt and learn different yeah. things, meet more people. Um, yeah. Me and my wife, we moved here full-time now, so kind of getting and moving, meeting more people here in, in town. When you don't grow up here, it's like, yeah, like I know a lot of the people involved with the riders, and I've met more people this year than I have in past years, but mm-hmm. you don't really know no people, if that makes sense. No, seriously, I know what you mean, bro. Yeah, so 100%. kind of get into that process. But no, I'm super excited about that and being able to kind of dive into – yeah, another aspect of life. You, you know? look after the kids too, and the family and oh, everything. Yeah. yeah, make sure his income always yeah. coming in. Gotta grind, man. Yeah, gotta grind. Gotta make sure everything is always good. You ever think about doing Airbnb at all? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I yes. don't know. I was just thinking. Cause remember the yes. properties you're saying? A hundred percent. So we're. I'm. I was actually thinking about Airbnb in Regina, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't know how that would actually do. How well it does. But I've heard rumors of people who are doing really well in Airbnb in Regina. I don't know. I've never looked into it. I would love, if you're listening to this, you do Airbnb Regina, feel free to hit me up. I would love to know about your experience. Sir. Because um, I want to know, is it a viable business or is I'm going to be wasting my time doing that? 
please hit me up. I always thought maybe do that and just put the place with IKEA furniture. Yeah, we don't have an IKEA in Regina. Yeah, you, know you have to get all get shipped in if anything like but that. But it's so cheap. Just put it together. Like, put uh-huh. really cheap shit in there just in case it breaks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And just replace it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's a good idea too. It just like, do we have the people coming in here consistently renting out? I know. And I think during the season you might get a couple of really good weekends. Yep. But it's like, okay, who's coming to Regina in the middle of January to stay an extended period of time? Exactly. And if But you, they do. People want to go out, man. I feel like some people like just want to go out, not to a hotel and just want to have some drinks somewhere that's not their house. They do mm-hmm. that. But it does suck, though, that sometimes people want to party there. Yeah, you know? 100%. So I think Regina needs to do a better job of creating a more lively um, social scene. Here. They really do. I think, um, which I understand, I don't think that's the, really the main agenda no. of the city i don't think they really care you're from toronto man yeah, yeah. i know so like so there's always something to do it's so like toronto. but when i th- when i talk to everybody everybody's like oh no i want to do things i want to get out but they don't do anything but nobody does anything <laughs> but i think if we actually had different unique things for people to do they would actually do a lot more i think that is like for instance a couple of days ago me and my wife were like hey, let's do something yeah movies um go get food um maybe go bowling Bowling's fine. I'm going bowling tonight, actually. Oh, okay. We go to um, Glen Karen Bowlerdrome. We go there every Wednesday because it's half off. Oh, I didn't know so that. So me and my girlfriend and her um, brother and um, her mom, we go there and we're so competitive, bro. <laughs> but it's normally like 20 bucks, so ha- it's half off 10 bucks for like two hours. That's actually right by my house. Wait, in Glen Karen over here? Yeah. In the East End? Yeah. Well, man, feel free to come with us, too, oh, yeah, if you want to, tell the wife. But you have the kids and everything. Got a baby, you got a lot man. to figure out. Hey, you don't... You don't... That's the thing when you have kids, you yeah. can't just get up like at a spur of the moment. Ah, oh, let's go. Nah, can't I, do that anymore. I gotta, I gotta plan out two, yeah. three days in advance. I gotta find a babysitter. Well, we should plan that out, man, because oh, we do that every Wednesday. That'll be fun. That's what we do in Regina to get away. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I see. Another thing is just bowling. Like it's nothing that's really exciting and young and different. No. That's why when you go to Toronto, it's always something. If you want to do something every day of the week, you can yeah. find something to do. Whether it's party, I'm not really much of a partier. Or something that's unique, like a nice museum, a nice like illusion museum. Salsa night, maybe. Salsa night. Hey, that'd be a fun yeah. little thing. Salsa yeah. night. You should get a salsa night going. It's just like they don't. We don't have enough stuff here. And I encourage all my friends and people in Toronto. If you were on a start a business, move to Regina and get into the get into the hospitality industry in some capacity. Man, it's severely lacking in my. In Seriously, my, have you been been the Wally Bees in Regina? I have. Amazing. Really Shout out food. Wally. Shout out Wally. Really good food. Yeah. Really good dude too. Yeah. I just really. went there like last week, two weeks ago with my buddy Nolan. He told me about it. I just sat in there and met Wally and everything. Yeah. I really, didn't really, even know about the place. Really, really cool dude. I remember yeah. going there during the season because I was driving by and I saw it in the corner of my eye. I'm like, what is this place? And I saw yeah. Jamaican cuisine. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm my family's Jamaican, so yeah. Jamaican Dominican. So when I turned around, I saw, I was like, okay, I got to try this place. So I remember going home, yep. telling the wife, well, I saw this Jamaican restaurant. We should try it. I want to go back, grab some food. The food was really good. Yeah. And then we would just go and just go and just go. Was it go. good? Was oh, it, it was like super authentic? Because yeah, I can't, I can't no. tell. Yeah. Super good. Like, it's really, really good. I think um, if I would give it a rating out of 10, Actually, I'll give it. I'll give it ten. Yeah, I'll give it. You 10. have to give it. 10. Yeah, it, it's pretty. It's pretty good food. Very like, authentic too. I think the only thing that might beat it is if you have your old Jamaican grandma or or mom or aunt that can cook it right off the you. pot. But yeah. going to a store, I don't think there's much gonna really get better than better that. Better than that. If you so. had to start another business other than Airbnb or something like that, would you start a little restaurant business? Or if you had to like venture into being an entrepreneur, what would you do? See, like 
I think I love being around people, like talking to people. Yeah. So I would do definitely a restaurant. Just like, bro, when you have kids and like a family yeah. getting into that level of um, risk of entrepreneurship is maybe a little bit too much for me to stomach. But bro, if I could risk. have like disposable cash where I can start a restaurant, I definitely would do it. Yeah. You I and the wife just got to do a podcast, have the kids in here and everything. No, just have a whole family man. podcast. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun, man. I yeah. know we're, we're, me and my wife, we have big, big goals, big dreams, and we just try every day to kind of make sure yeah. we're moving towards that every day. And I think that's the best you can do. Like, no, I mean, that's so cool that you have something to do that with every day. Yeah. That's like all you can ask for in life. Yeah. I think that's a really big thing when I tell people about like finding a partner. Make sure that person is on the same wavelength as you when it comes to like what you want out of life. And not just... I want this, but I want this, and I'm willing to work and sacrifice for it. Yeah. There's a big difference. There's a lot of people around saying that they want to be millionaires, but they sleep in every day. Seriously. They don't do anything new in terms of business. They don't improve their skill set and learning. They don't do any of that stuff, right? So exactly, bro. if you're going to be like, hey, these are my goals and aspirations, put in the effort to make sure every day you're doing something. Sometimes people think that I got to build a business within two weeks. No, man. Maybe with you just like, hey, what's my idea? Get it on paper. Take 20 minutes a day and just write a little bit. I, a little bit. I always say, like, we didn't become professional athletes overnight. No. We had that dream since we were in grade, grade nine for yeah. you, and even I was eight years old, bro, yeah. playing this game. 100%. You know what I mean? You think a business is going to happen overnight? It's going to take years and shit. And it may fail, but you're going to learn something out of that. Yeah. And you can roll it into the next business. That's kind of how it goes. When you kind of hear a lot of people who are very successful speak, you hear consistency, you hear dedication, and you hear, yeah, you may fail, but don't worry about it. It's going to be rolling into another business, another idea, because you're going to learn off of that. Right? Exactly, man. Just keep you trying. You have to do that, right? Yeah. And I tell people all the time, just when you're when you're working out, like, for instance, you don't lift two days to get ready for the football season. No. It's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of reps upon reps upon reps. Like, Seriously. for instance, how much time do you think you did bench press? Oh. You're probably yeah. taking probably – 3,000 bench reps by the oh time the God, season yeah. started, right? Over time, that builds your strength. Think about your whole life. Yeah. That's just, that's the same. That's what life is. It's just every day, small steps gearing more and more towards your goals. And you look up in three years and you're like, wow, like I spent the last three years taking 20 minutes a day to start my business and yeah. now like I'm about to really start my business. Hey, man, hopefully you look back and you're proud as fuck out of it. 100%. You, you have to mean? be, man. I was going to say too, man, like you played with the Riders for 2016 to 2018, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Had a little had a little stint with a few other teams there, but came back right yeah. away in 2020. And then we had a, we had a year off, and we still played with the Riders last year. Mm-hmm. And then this year, you're still kind of up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen with yeah. the free agency. Uh-huh. I was going to say, uh, is it hard knowing that you have a house here and have kids in Regina and everything, and you might not be able to come back next year, or you might go somewhere else? Like, how does that go through your mind? Uh, not really. I think, I think uh, credit to my wife, um, we kind of came to the grips with – Hey, we're on this ride. Yeah. And it may not always be easiest. It may not always be the most comfortable, but we're going to make sure we make the best out of our situation, right? Yeah. So you can't be scared to pick up and move to a Montreal or an Edmonton or mm-hmm. a BC. Like, wherever the opportunity comes best for you to maximize um, your opportunity to, to win, opportunity to provide for my family, you have, to be, able to, you have to be able to take it. Mm-hmm. I think that. A lot of times in, 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 in life, we take the comfortable route. And I feel like nothing worth having is ever down that comfortable route. It's through that tight, narrow path is where you get to where you want to get to in life, right? If you want to mm-hmm. be the top 1%, you got to do what 99% of people are not doing. Seriously, and it's bro. always uncomfortable. 
people do not like to do things that are uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Things that are not feeling good, that's probably where you should be pressing the most into. Crazy, man. I mm-hmm. like how you just, like, you have it set, man. You're not worried about anything. You just uh, know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in the uh, future, but you know you're going to take it. I could be to practice a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I could be to practice. Life. Yeah, so, like, it's just over time, you kind of develop this this callous to different things in life, right? You yeah. be- begin to develop in the aspect, and yeah. it's crazy because in you, I would never want to go through this, but when you go through it over and over and over, it, it conditions your mind and your and your and your soul and your spirit to kind of deal with it in different ways. Like I could be fretting, be like, oh my gosh, yeah. oh, what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen, or oh, I haven't, oh, I don't want to, I want to go here, want to do like, bro, what is what is for you is gonna be for you. That's Relax, awesome. chill, put in the work to so be deserving of what you want. Awesome. As yeah. long as I can do that at the end of the day and be deserving of what I want, I can I can stomach anything that has. Shit, man. Does your 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 parents sit down and talk to you like this sometimes, or what? Or uh, how do you like? You're you're a great speaker, by the way. Bro, I've learned all this through through life, man. Yeah. Like I think that um, I've had different people who kind of came through my life and really spoken to me, and I'm a sponge. Like there's two people in this yeah. world. There's people who are faucets and people who are sponges. <laughs> Never heard that, but I, I love I ma- it. I made it up. So okay. when you guys hear that, there's mine. Don't steal it. Like I got, I got to be a sponge. Like and there's and every room has those different things, right? So there's gonna be people who are talking. There's gonna be people who are listening. Yeah. I try to listen as much as possible because I'm gonna pull things to that conversation and then carry it forward, carry it through. It could be something that I heard an old line coach say when I was a second year university student that I sticks with me. Okay. Yeah, that was good. That's going to help me in 10 years when I'm teaching my son how to ride a bike. <laughs> like, you know, like you never know what that information is, but I, so I try to retain as much as possible. Yeah. And then through doing that, you become more, I would say wise in order to know, okay, this is something that's BS. Okay. This is good information. Yeah. This is beneficial. It's something I need to really implement in my life. It's something I need to get out of my life. And all the time you do to grow, you develop, you change over, Crazy, man, yeah. go, man. You got it, man. You know what I mean? You got like you, you got your shit together. You know what I mean? Hey. It seems like it anyways. What does that look like? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, honestly. I bro, what does that you. look like? And I Nobody think, knows. Bro, everybody's running their own race. Seriously, brother. Uh, I, I was going to say, too, um, has your family um, visited you? Has seen your new place at all? Oh, no, not yet, actually. They haven't? So my, no, they have not. I haven't seen my new place yet. So we just bought it in September. Um, I think they're going to probably come down here in the next couple of months when we have the baby. I know my wife's family, they're going to come down and actually yeah. hang out with us a little bit to make sure she's good because we're out to have two kids under two. I know. That's and crazy. I'm working full time. I'm training. I'm doing different things. Everything, so yeah. it's going to be really, really tough to um, give the help. And I feel bad about it sometimes. But yeah. uh, having her family come down to kind of help with the initial um, process for the first couple of weeks, yeah. and I'm probably going to try to take some time off of work to do, to do that and and kind of get squared away there as much as possible. Man. Is it weird not having any family in the city? Ah, oh, it's super tough, man. It's super tough. I didn't really estimate it'll be as hard as it has been. Um, I think uh, when we had our first kid, I was kind of like, yo, this is tough. Like, mm-hmm. I want to take my wife out on a little date, and it's just like, oh, I got to find a babysitter. Yeah. And they kind of find any and everybody to watch your kid, but you got to find somebody you trust. That's Or nice. maybe some days, like, we're both super tired, but that baby's going to wake up at 6 a.m. on the dot and cry, like, you know what? So I got to get up, mm-hmm. and we got to make sure he's attended to and he's taken care of. There's no one really to be like, hey, mom, take the baby for a day. And it's kind of like. Oh. And you just trust it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You it's, just trust it. I think that's okay. the toughest part. And then there's certain experiences you want to share with your family. Seriously. And then not being here is always always a tough, a tough thing to kind of swallow. But 
I think it's getting better as we're meeting more people, as we're kind of creating uh, deeper roots and, and longer relationships here. And as we continue yep. to do that as well, that's going to be easier and easier and easier. And Seriously, bro. Any of my family members want to move to Saskatchewan? <laughs> That'd be great. Your, it's your open invitation, my friend. So with the house, with you buying the house here, you think you're going to be here for like the oh, whole life or what? Uh, I'm not, not your whole, whole life, life, but for the next five, ten years, do you think? Definitely. I think we want to, I think being in Saskatchewan because of the cost of living here, mm-hmm. it gives us an opportunity to um, get the head start financially we want in our life, right? Yeah. We had a decision to make. Do we go back to Ontario and have to s- scrape to put pennies together to make sure mm-hmm. we're being our basic necessities? Or can we try and get ahead as much as possible by being in Saskatchewan and Seriously. having a lower cost of living? In yeah. life, there's always choices. Yep. And everybody's going to have to live with those choices, right? Yep. So uh, that's kind of what we did. It hasn't been easy. It was not the easiest thing in the world to be like, I want to have two kids <laughs> hours away from any family that can help. Hours, yeah. Uh, like, on a plane, too. Yeah. Like, but it's been definitely beneficial and allows us to kind of um, – shoot for some of the goals that we have in life whether it's investing whether it's getting our kids into more sports in the future whether it's allowing us to actually take time where we don't have to my wife doesn't have to rush to work she can actually spend time and be home with our children like you enjoy Regina then i do like i'm a small town guy man i don't i don't really like a lot of glitz and glamour so Regina, i think the things i like about it super small 15 to 15 50 minutes to corner to corner people here are super friendly um, I like the culture around sports here and football. I like the culture around different youth football, youth sports here. I think you guys take it very seriously. Yeah, they do. We do. Very, really good for for young people. Um, I like it, man. It's super, good football town. Yeah, the cold is the only thing that's like, ah, I know, man. It's man. so shit. If Regina was a, a tropical island, it would be <laughs> billionaires will live here. I, yeah, I but that's why it's cheap to live here, yeah, man, because it's freezing yeah, as fuck. You, you know? got to make a choice, man. Oh yeah, man! Yeah. Crazy. Mm. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate we're, you having me. Man. We're gonna have to get into the what's it called right now the the film study. You want to get? Oh into yeah, that yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, we're gonna get into some film study right here. Josiah is gonna get into it, kind of break down some shit for us. That's why I want to give you guys a, a heads up here. All right, we have Willie Jefferson here, one mm-hmm. of the best defensive ends in the league. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts to say he's a great guy too. Yeah, really good dude. One of your teammates and one of your competitors actually. Yeah, he played here. He came my rookie year, and he was here until twenty eighteen. So. I played three seasons on the team with Willie. Really, really good dude. Really good athlete. Yeah. All right, really good guy, man. Explosive football player. So you're not really nervous going against him then? Hey? You kind of got him figured out a little bit? Uh, I don't think I'll say I've got him figured out, but yeah. I understand how he rushes. I feel so you. So I know when ways he can hurt me and when mm-hmm. ways he's not going to really try, if that yep. makes sense. So um, I know Willie, his whole game is he's a he's a better athlete than you. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get you in space. He's going to make you look silly. He's going to run around you. Yeah. So I kind of had to kind of – come with the mentality is I'm going to play my game and yep. use my skill set. So I always tell a young lineman, understand your body and what you do well, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, is I have good feet, I have long arms, and I have pretty good size. Mm-hmm. So I know I want to set him to basically either bowl me or rush outside in the general general angle. I'm going to build my house on the spot and use my hands to force him one way or the other, right? So when you say build your house, what do you mean by that? Um, so in foot, when offensive tackle is setting, I know there's an angle in which I need to set to get to a spot where we're going to have the intersecting point, right? You'll see a lot of times young linemen will get to that spot and they'll, like, back up a little bit or they'll underset. My mentality is I'm going to get to that spot and let my talent take over. I'm going to get to my spot. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to give you more space. 
I'm gonna set you, and as soon as you come in my striking distance, I'm gonna use my hands and, and force you one way or the other. Let your instincts take take over. Yeah, let it take over, man. Yeah. Okay, so, so what are you thinking about Willie right now in this dance? So he's not super, it's not super wide. So I wouldn't change my angle based on what he did. So in this instance, I just kind of got to my spot. And once I realized that he was going to um, jab inside based on his angle, I made sure I got good contact to redirect him in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't get your hands on Willie, it's gonna be a long day. Yeah. <clears throat> Just because of how athletic he is, so. I got to that spot, made sure I punched my outside hand, forced him wide. And you see how he backs off like that? Yeah. Like, he's just trying to get that pick. Oh, right? yeah, because Willie's known for backing off, yeah, knocking yeah. the ball down, picking the ball off. Yeah. He's really, really good when it comes to stuff like that. So as soon as he backed up there. You still keep your eyes on him, though, when he backs off, hey? A hundred percent. Yeah. All right? So, like, I knew something was going on. I got a good shot at him the first time. So I'm like, oh, okay, he's about to either try and knock this ball down yeah. or he's going to try and – get in a passing lane because he's like 6'6". Six, six. Seriously. But as soon as I see him dart off to the other side, I knew that Cody left the pocket at that point in time, and I was yeah. hoping, like, hey, when you leave the pocket, you are on your own, my friend. <laughs> you are on your own. So he came, forced out, and then he was able to get the ball out. Sweet, man. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. 100%. And we're going to have a lot more film corner talk with St. John, uh-huh. my man. But, and we got Dan Clark on here, too, and it's mm. going to be really good shit. But I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It was really in-depth, deep podcast mm. with our guy, man. And I really hope he's staying around Regina next year. And I hope you're cheering him on and his wife and his kids, man, because they're mm. a really great, great group of people. Thanks appreciate a lot, brother. You, man. Oh, appreciate me having on the pod, man. Yeah. Keep doing the work you're doing. I think it's amazing. I've been checking it out every single episode. Appreciate it. Make sure this is the most watched episode. Oh, day. it will be. Oh, yeah, 100%. Man. It will be. Thank you. Appreciate you, my dog. Thank you. You will be back on for sure. Oh, yeah. Let me know. I'll be back on. 100%. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my man. All right, I got it.